Hello everyone and welcome back to the One Talk podcast. You're here with your host Ryan McCarthy and the purpose of this podcast is to help people step into their potential and become the best version of themselves. So every single week we bring on the guests that can share their expertise in the fields that they are in to be able to bring the skills, resources, values, tips and strategies that you can implement into your life so you can start filling your potential and become the best version of yourself. Whether that be mindset, mental health, relationships, business, financial, every aspect of life within this podcast you will find an episode where you will find strategies, tips, tools, resources that you can implement into each area of your life so you can grow and reach that potential you are so capable of. And if you could share this podcast with a friend, a family member, or anyone you think would get value from this podcast, that would be amazing because then we are reaching people and helping them reach their potential and becoming the best version of themselves. Also, it helps grow this podcast to grow to a bigger audience and make an impact on a larger scale because this podcast is free information, free resources. So be able to get these free tools, tips, strategies, value, information, knowledge out there to the people who can receive this. That would be great and just keep making this impact on the world. And if you could leave the podcast a rating rather on Apple or on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts, that would be amazing too and it would help so much and it would be much appreciated. And on today's episode, we are joined by Michael Mojo Johnson. Michael Mojo is the founder of the Mojo Human Performance Institute. Michael is also a mental performance coach, investor and business owner. Michael has worked with the top rich listers, professional athletes and businesses and helps them scale and perform at an elite level. Michael is also the host of The Underestimate Entrepreneur and his podcast is full of so much value and information. So I highly recommend checking out his podcast as well and also checking out the work he does because after this episode, you're going to want to check out and find out more of his work because this episode is an absolute gem of an episode. So share this episode around and let's welcome Michael. Welcome Michael Johnson. How are you, brother? Yeah, good, mate. How are you? Looking at the work that you do and everything that you provide to the world in terms of value around performance. Even like investing in mindset. Very incredible to see and to have this on the online space as well and also in the real world too. So I just want to say I'm very appreciative of the work that you do. Thanks, mate. I really appreciate it. It's uh yeah, I just want to get this stuff out to more people and help more people crush it in life. Yeah, because looking at your content and watching your content, the work that you do, one thing that came to my mind is that you got so much knowledge and information around so many subjects. So I like to ask, how do you find yourself continuing to learn and grow? Because uh, there's always another problem or an obstacle that's stopping me from building a, a billion-dollar empire that helps people to perform better. So, you know, whether it's health or uh, whether it's mindset, whether it's business, whether it's sales, marketing, you know, there, there's always something like I think life is very holistic. And mm. I think that science does a really good job of specializing in certain fields. Um, and they, they do a really good job of going really deep into a very niche topic most of the time. But unfortunately, it can come at the expense of how humans live. And, mm. you know, I know that as a business owner, if my intimate relationship has turned to shit, that now stops my business from working effectively because my daily my daily thoughts are on my relationship and what's going on at home, not getting the next level in my business. So therefore, I've got to fix my relationship in order to fix my business. 
then, you know, if I've got self-doubt and concerns and I'm on the phone doing sales, then now I'm starting to doubt whether my products or services are good enough. I might be comparing myself to others. So my mindset then plays a role in sales. What I've found is that normally, I think if people are self-aware enough, and and I assume that a lot of your listeners are, that when someone's self-aware enough, they realize that there's always a gap and there's always another obstacle. Like humans essentially solve a problem and just create another problem. Yeah. So if we're aware enough, we want to be thinking about what the next problem is that we're going to come up against and start to solve that problem now. Mm. So I just started, when I was young, like I never used to think about this stuff. I was pretty shit at, shit at school. So I got kicked out of school at 15 and ended up wanting to end my life and then um, ended up going back to school and finished grade 12 and I became a diesel mechanic. But mm. while I was there, I just didn't really know what I wanted to do. And then I came across personal training, which was twenty almost 20 years ago now. Um, and it was just a field that no one really, it wasn't a, a proper field like it is now. It was like, mm. you know, dudes would just wear Bintang shirts and, you know, <laughs> Cooper's Ale shirts into the gym and that have a smoke and walk in and drop it. And uh, so that was the majority, like that was a gym back in the day, or there was like a whole bunch of women that would come in and do the aerobics classes <laughs> and jump up and down and shit. Yeah. Um, or there was like the big meatheads that would just come in all juiced up and just like smash heavy weights around. <laughs> it wasn't a professional field like it is now. It was mm. it was the start of it, but it wasn't what it is now. And so when I went back to study personal training, I was like, shit, I actually enjoy learning, which was the mm. first time I'd really enjoyed learning properly. And then as a personal trainer, I was I I I, I really wanted to help people more. That was a thing that I I loved. Mm. Um but when I was teaching people how to exercise, all of a sudden I realized, well, hang on, nutrition impacts people's ability to heal. Mm. So then I started studying nutrition. Then I noticed that there was a lot of injuries and I'm going, okay, well, there's injuries. So now I need to go back and study um, you know, how to rehab. And, and so I started working with physiotherapists, which 20 years ago wasn't the norm. Like it was mm. just, no one used to do that. Um, <laughs> physios and chiropractors and all that used to think that personal trainers were just absolute jugheads. And so I worked my way into that industry of, you know, working with those types of people. And then as time went along, I, I was working in a medical center and I, I was doing physical rehabilitation and, and sports performance. And I was sitting there listening to this guy talk one day and I just thought, shit, everyone knows what to do. They just don't fucking do it. Mm. So that's what led me to the mindset part. So what I've realized is that there's always gaps that people are trying to bridge. And the more self-aware you are, the more you bridge those gaps and the faster you bridge those gaps, but the more you've got to learn a lot about a lot of things. Mm. I think what most people do is they go, well, you know, I'm a business owner. Biz business is going okay, but it's not sort of going as well as what I want it to. Sales are shit. My staff are crap. Um, you know, I, 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 I like doing my job, but I don't really like managing all the rest of the shit. And I like the money that I'm making. Hmm. but that's a huge block. Like essentially they're living a shit life now. Yeah. And they're not doing anything to change it because they, they won't admit to themselves that look, I I'm not the best salesperson and I'm not the best at marketing. I don't know how to lead people. I don't know how to manage. I I'm not good at putting in management processes. And the truth is that I'm not going to figure it out on my own. Hmm. The smart people go, I'm not going to figure it out on my own. I know that there are all these problems. Let's bridge this gap and let's like, you know, double, triple, quadruple the business in the next 12 to 24 months. When you do that, like I, I've got a philosophy on life in, and is that winners keep winning and losers always lose. Yeah. The day you feel like a loser is the day you start losing. Mm, that's it. That's so like, true. Don't, don't fucking lose. Like we all go through it. I wake up some mornings and I'm like, oh man, fuck all this shit's going on. 
And then I catch myself and I'm like, loser, just stop being a fucking loser. Like, get up, get out of bed and do something to win. Because once you start putting runs on the board, you want to keep winning. Mm. And you, you build your own courage and you build that confidence and you build the self-belief and all that stuff and you try things. Yeah. Not everything works. Like nine in entrepreneurship, nine out of 10 things will turn to shit. Mm. But the one out of 10 things, you knock it out the fucking ballpark and, and that's how you win the game. Yeah. Most people, they they get two or three losses on the board and then they start to get scared and they start to get worried and all that. And so it just, it prevents them from doing anything great in life. Mm. And I, I really don't believe there's there's some magic secret to life. It's like, first of all, and by the way, I've gone off ta- track wildly here. So just pull me up and tell me to shut up. No, you're right. I love it. It's good. But like the first thing in life that no one gets taught is you've got to know thyself, know who you are. Yeah. No one gets taught that. You go to school or, or from a young age, your parents teach you how to act and behave. And then you start to replicate. Mm. So you replicate your parents. You know, your parents argue. So then, you know, 20 years later, you're in, an, in a relationship and you've got a problem. And instead of communicating effectively, now you're in an argument. Mm. Why? Because you're never taught how to negotiate. You were never taught about value structures and that your intimate partner is completely different than you. And the way that their brain works is completely different. But instead of understanding that, you try to turn them into you and you try to change the way that they behave and they get pissed mm. off because you don't accept them for them and they try to change you. And so most people spend their whole life trying to live up to everyone else's expectations and standards. Mm. And that sets them up from failure from like a young age. Yeah. So now you get 20, 30, 40, 50-year-old people who come to my events and they're like, I'm just lost. Mm. No fucking shit you lost. You've spent 30 years studying how to be everybody else. Yeah. How much time have you spent studying yourself? Like, people take on other people's values too much in life. That's that's a hundred percent correct, right? And so mm. they spent thirty years studying how to be what everyone else wants them to be. And I say to them, come to one of my events, and they're like, "Oh yeah, man, I don't know, it's expensive." I'm like, in your own mind, you mm. want to build a big empire. Let's say, like, let's just say you want to build a hundred million dollar empire, ten million dollar empire. Let's say it's not even a business. Let's say you want to build a great family. What's the cost of that by you not living it? You're essentially marking off the days to your death. Mm. Like today, I'm one day closer to dying. Yeah. So that is that's that's non-debatable. I'm a day closer at the end of today. Did was it worth a day of my life to do the shit that I'm doing today? If not, then mm. change it. Until people experience the pain of like I'm I my life, I'm getting closer to dying. Yeah. Most people don't change shit. That's why the best time for in, in the best time to change in most people's lives is when they hit rock bottom, or when they have their birthday, and normally like a twentieth, a thirtieth, a fortieth, a fiftieth, because it's the time that they actually stop and reflect and go, you know, I'm way off track here. Mm. But then some people just go, you know what, drugs, alcohol. I'm going to yeah. watch some more TV. You know, I'm going to watch my Geordie Shore or or whatever, and, and distract myself from that shit because they don't want to think about it. And then they go back to all their other friends and they sit in the circle and they all complain about how shit life is and retirement. Like if you're thinking about retirement, your life is already fucked. Like it's over. Game over. The great, great thinkers don't think about retirement. They don't even want retirement. Richard Branson still works and he's a multi-billionaire. Elon Musk never has to work again. Still working. Why? Because they've got something to work towards. They're always working towards something. And it's something that fulfills them as well. It's been on that direction of purpose and having something that they can always be on that's going to fulfill them which keeps you driving in life and but when you live a fulfilled life when you live a fulfilled life that keeps you away from things like depression and negative intrusive thoughts and all these things that are going to drag you back in life so if you have a direction and purpose that fulfills you it's going to keep driving you with more energy as you go on in life 
Yeah. And I mean, I had chronic fatigue when, or I, I, I didn't get officially diagnosed, but I, I remember being in the medical center after just almost collapsing. Um, I, I was in a nightclub and I thought someone had spiked my drink. Mm. And the next morning I woke up and I was still shivering. I actually woke up in the shower cause I'd passed out. And um, I went to the doctor and he said, you've got chronic fatigue. And he said, I, I remember the words. He said, you will never have the energy of a normal person. Mm. And in my head, I could, because I was a little prick and I'm still, I'm still a prick. Um, I hate when people tell me what to do. And I hate when people define who I am as a person. I hate mm. it. Yeah. And I've always been like that. So my mum would say, don't touch that. And I'm like, oh, fuck it. I'm touching it. I'm and then I'd get in trouble. <laughs> so, so when the doctor said, you'll never have the energy of a normal person, I'm like, fuck you. I'm going to go find out how to get the energy of a normal person. Mm. So that's actually what led me down the path of studying like more nutrition. I started keeping a food journal and I noticed that certain foods made me lethargic after I would eat. Whereas other foods made me feel like, um, I won't say energized because a lot of people like when we talk about energy a lot of people think overstimulation is yeah. energy and it's not it's like just i eat and i don't even notice that i've eaten like i still have the same amount of energy before i ate as after i ate and so mm. like i i like that consistency not the big peaks and troughs because what goes up has to come back down yeah um and so I started studying, like I started studying that and trying to learn as much as I could about nutrition and about the way my body worked. And so I kept a food journal and I started noticing, you know, every time I ate pasta, I bloat. Every time I ate bread, I bloat. That would make me tired. I would, you know, after after a couple of meals of pasta and bread, I would be gone, passed out. Yeah. I've never had a gluten intolerance test, but I just removed anything with gluten in my diet mm. and my energy is fine. But I noticed that the biggest factor that played the number one most crucial role in my energy levels was my mindset. The more mm. stressed out I was, the more frustrated I was, the more crazy my expectations and unrealistic expectations I put on myself, the more burnt out I would get. Yeah. Also, the more erratic I would be in my behaviors. So I would go super hard and I would go flat out and then I'd burn out and then flat out and then burn out. And when I burnt mm. out, I'd beat myself up and feel like I wasn't good enough and I just, I felt, I, I couldn't rest. I felt like shit. I felt guilty mm. and ashamed for resting. And and it was like I had these big peaks and troughs. The more work I did on my mindset, the more my energy goes up. And like now I work, you know, 70, 80 hours a week, every week. And I don't, like, I don't really sit around and do shit. Like I'm, I, yeah. most things I do are purposeful. Mm. If I'm resting, it's because I'm, it's purposeful. I don't just, like, I don't just finish the day and go, I'm just going to sit down and just watch TV for whatever reason. I do every now and again, but it's not, it's not common. Yeah, yeah. Rather do something that's productive or leading towards a better life for me. Um, but yeah, I saw, I saw you say something online. I believe it's a quote of yours, and you said mindset is ninety percent of success. Yeah, I mm. um, I remember years ago, um, I did a lot of work with um, back years and years ago. I did a lot of work with Tony Robbins and um, his head trainer in Australia, mm. uh, who who was one of my good friends, and then. Um, I I I started outgrowing them, and um, and then after a while, I started the person who was who was my mentor. I sort of started mentoring a bit as well because my thoughts and my philosophies were just different, and I outgrew him. Mm. Um, and I think my research and my study was a lot more. But um, um, I think it was Tony Robbins who 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 said that. Um, oh. because I've studied so much over the years. Like someone asked me the other day that they were like. Uh, is this quote from Rich Dad Poor Dad? And I'm like, I, to be honest, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know. Like I've studied, if if I know who I've learned something off of, I will always reference them because I think it's a respect of great yeah. thinkers to reference their work. 
So if ever anyone comes to do my events, I reference all the work, any research it's referenced. If I, mm -hmm. there's a quote in there, I'll, I'll quote the author because I think a lot of people are like, I see my own quotes online where someone essentially takes one of my quotes, cuts off yeah. the bottom of it and then reposts it. And I'm like, fucking assholes like that's my lifetime of work like mm. at least you can give me a little bit of credit for the hard work and the effort that i put in like i understand you're insecure and you want to like take my shit because it makes you look more intelligent yeah but the truth is intelligent people know how intelligent people think and so yeah. when you've got someone that's insecure and unintelligent the only people that they work with are unintelligent insecure people mm. well you surround yourself with who you are 100 percent and so like I can pretty much study most people's work these days and I can tell you sort of who they've studied and where the work comes from because you can tell the thought process behind it. Yeah. So like I have people come to my events and they go, oh yeah, but what about this, this and this? And I go, okay, cool. I understand you've studied like new age spirituality. Mm. So have I, but I'm telling you that that's out of balance for these reasons and they've taken it out of context for this stuff. Mm. So it's just, you know, like after a while, when you start to learn a lot, you really realize where that stuff comes from anyway. So you see through it all. Yeah. Uh, like you yeah, said, it's not, it's not my, I don't think it's, I don't think it's mine, my quote. Um, yeah. But I know if you look at the Pareto principle, it's the 80, 20 principle. Mm. And so, you know, I've, I've heard, I think Tony Robbins said, you know, it's uh, 80% psychology and 20%, um, you know, 20% um, strategy or skill set. I, I don't know about that. I would say it's probably more of a, a 90, 95, 10. Like when yeah. I'm working with businesses, 95% of all business problems are people problems, human behavior. Yeah. Sales, it, sales is like almost 100% human behavior. Mm. Get marketing, it's almost 100% human behavior. You get management and leadership, it's almost 100% human behavior. Yeah, well, everything that comes from communication is psychology by the end of the day because we have to process it to be able to verbalize it. 100%. And like you said earlier too, like you said, when it becomes losses, then you turn that into a lesson so you can win. How about those people that the experience of loss, they, tr they tell themselves it's a lesson for mental masturbation, but then they don't actually action the things that they need to do behind it. Why do you think that is people have the information and resources, but don't actually put in the work to attain or achieve what they want? So uh, this will fuck most people up who are listening. And it always does when I go through this. Mm. No organism, if you study biology, no organism does anything that it perceives is detrimental to its own life. Mm. None. Yeah. So if you get a Petri dish and you put a single cell bacterium in the dish, and then you put something that's toxic, like let's say you put a toxin anywhere near the bacteria, the bacteria moves away from the toxin. Mm. So when someone says, my thoughts are negative, my thoughts are bad, my thoughts are toxic, that's bullshit. Yeah, Because humans don't do things that are detrimental to its own life. Mm. We only do things we perceive are beneficial to our own life. The problem is that with modern day psychology, and I know I'm going to get hated on by this. The problem is that in modern day psychology and modern day mental health stuff, everyone or the majority of people label things as good or bad instead of asking the right questions. Mm. So when someone comes along, they go, I've got all these negative thoughts. I hold myself back. You know, I never get the results that I want. You know, blah, blah, blah. And they go on, oh, yeah, but you don't understand my past. What yeah. they're saying is I have more benefits to not doing shit and not changing than I do the the potential benefits of changing. Mm. And and no one asks that question. Like every, every fucking person knows this. Every person knows that the reason why they don't change is because they get more benefits to not changing. 
Well, if nothing changes, nothing changes, right? <laughs> yeah. They so like I ask and I ask people those questions, which very few people actually do in those industries. So like when someone comes to me and they say, you know, I'm stuck and nothing's changing and nothing's working in my business or nothing's working in my life. And I, I say to them and they go, oh, you're not so bad and it's it's affecting my life and it's affecting my family. I go, okay, cool. Let's stop. Hmm. What are all the benefits of not changing? And they're like, yeah. oh, there are none. And I'm like, bullshit. You've just you've got that on autopilot. Like hmm. Do you know most people when you ask them a question, the autopilot response is, I don't know. Mm. And that's a learned response from school. It, like if I ask someone a question and I say, hey, what about this? And they go, oh, I don't know. Yeah. How, what was the time frame that I gave them to answer that question? Did I, did I say like, you've got one second? Mm. What they do is they just automatically respond without even thinking. Like they just go, bang, I don't know. Bang, I don't know. It's like an automatic response. It's a reflex. Yeah. And they do it because they don't want to be judged and criticized because at school, when the teacher asks a question, when you're afraid to give the answer because you're afraid of other peers or, or other kids judging you or the, or getting something wrong, you just say, I don't know. Yeah. And that shows how powerful your environment is too, because I saw you talk on that. A lot of your work effort comes from your dad, but a lot of your aggression and drive comes from your mother. But this is when you're growing up for your life, you instill these beliefs and core values from the people that you grew up with. But this doesn't stop when we become an adult. We still influenced by our environment, the way we think, and the way we can react to people as well. So it's important to surround yourself with people that are going to influence influence you in a positive way or an impactful yeah. way. I think, uh, and I'll, I'll come back to finishing off the part that I just did with okay. uh, with environment. There's there's two things. Yes, environment impacts you, but you mm. also impact environment. Yeah. So, like, how how do you want to how do you want to be? I went to the golf uh, on the weekend. So in uh, South Australia, they had the uh, live golf tournament here. And yeah. I knew nothing about it until like four days ago. And, and one of our business clients rang up and he said, do you want to go to the golf? And I said, mate, i got no idea what you're talking about. But golf is like the most boring sport I've ever, like, I'm not a golfer. I, I like doing like shit that moves quick. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, he's like, nah, it's going to be this wild party. Like, and he's explaining to me and he's like, you know, I'm, I'm going with all the business guys, like a lot of heavy hitters and all that stuff. Like I got you a ticket. I was like, all right, I'll go. Went to the game. Absolutely awesome. But when I was there, there was a whole bunch of business guys and they, they're like, it was like 10 o'clock in the morning and they're going, do you want a drink? And I was like, ah, oh, nah, I'm, I'm good. And they're like, don't you drink? And I said, no, I, I drink. I just don't have, I don't have those crazy rules in my life because it, destroys people mentally mm. but like if i want to drink i'll drink if i want to eat a pizza i'll eat a pizza if yeah. i want to eat shit food i'll eat shit food and if i want to sleep i'll, I'll sleep but the the question is like why mm. why are you doing this stuff and so i said to them like look i haven't had a drink since november last year and they're like oh so like is that like what what, what are you doing that for I'm like, i don't know yeah. i just don't have a need i don't have a necessity to drink mm. it's not that it's not that i label drinking as bad and it's not that like I don't I, I hate when people go through um addiction and stuff like that and they go, oh, I can't because you know I'm an addict and blah blah. Because once you do that, you label yourself and you define yourself as having those problems. Yeah. So I just I used to drink a lot when I was younger, like five days a week I would drink. Mm. But I just choose not to drink because I've got a bigger purpose to not drink. Like I don't want to wake up and feel tired. I'd rather wake up at five, five, five thirty in the morning, get up, get straight into work, train. Yeah. Like I just, I've, I've got a big purpose. Like I'm trying to achieve a huge mission. Mm. I'm trying to change a lot of people. Like I just don't have a desire to want to drink. So I don't sit there and go, oh, fuck, I'd really want to drink. Oh, I shouldn't drink. No, nah, I should. It's just like, no, nah, I don't just, I'm, I'm fine.
Yeah, yeah. But coming back to the environment, right? So I'm in this environment with all these business people that are heavy hitters and they're like, so how do you go about going out all the time not drinking? And I said, well, here's the thing. You yourself, do you admire me more because I drink or do you admire me more because I fit in and drink with it? Uh, do, do you admire me more because I fit in and drink with everybody or do you admire me more because I don't drink? Mm. And he, he's like, well, I, I don't know. And I said, well, think about it. Like, are we having this conversation now because you're intrigued about me not drinking? Mm. And he said, yeah. I said, do you know how many business meetings I go to at lunchtime? And someone says, oh, we'll get a, gl- a bottle of wine. Like, what What do you want to drink? And I'll go, no, I'll just get sparkling water. Yeah. And I watch them and they're torn because there's part of them that doesn't want to drink, but there's part of them that's also in the habit of drinking. Mm. And for them, alcohol is a symbol, a symbolization of friendship, of connection, because most people start drinking when they're young with all their friends. Yeah. So now most people don't even know that their habits of drinking and consuming alcohol are part of a habit that they've created, which now makes them feel comfortable, relaxed, Mm. uh, friendship, nurturing, because this is all the neuro associations that they have when they start drinking as a teenager. Mm. So now they've had a hard day at work and they're driving home and they feel disconnected and they feel stressed and they're frustrated and they go, I just really want a beer. They don't want the beer. What they want Mm. is they want the relaxation and they want the calmness and they want the friendship and they want the nurturing and they want to feel part of something which their brain has had those associations since Mm. they first started having their first beer or their first drink when they're a teenager. Yeah. When you know this, it's like, well, I'd rather go and just connect with people and have a good conversation and sit there and fucking blur, you know, half dribble out my words because I'm, you know, half cooked. Mm. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I've just, that that was my thing. I did I did have a couple of drinks, but I also stopped. And then they all they all said, <laughs> "We're going out to the city." And I was like, "It's it's seven o'clock. Not much is go- not not much good's going to happen after nine yeah. o'clock. That people aren't going to feel guilty and ashamed about the next day." So yeah. I'm going home. <laughs> good idea. Um, yeah, but so when we're talking about environment, it's it's both ways. Like a leader creates the environment around them. Mm. A follower is a product of the environment around them. Yeah. So you have to decide, do I want to be a leader and do I want to do things differently than than the people in my environment and then lead them to something better? Hmm. Or do I want to fit in and do I want to be a product of my environment? If people have associations with like alcohol, for example, how can they rewire that so they can train themselves to not have that association and not have that label? Or if that I said, attachment? So if I said to you, um, it's a great question. If I said to you, I'm going to give you a million bucks if you don't drink for a year, plus it, you get to have the relationship of your dreams, your kids are going to get looked after mm-hmm. for the rest of their lives, mm-hmm. and you're going to be able to travel all around the world, all expenses paid for the rest of your life, or you get to drink. Yeah. What are you going to do? When we're going on holiday. <laughs> so it, it all comes down to the reasoning behind it. And this mm-hmm. is what I what I found years ago is that I'd spent a lot of money on personal development. We're talking like hundreds of thousands. You know, now it's over over a million of like consultants and and yeah. um, you know coaches and and traveling all around the world to learn. But what I realized was that I kept going through these stages where I'd work really really hard and then I'd melt down and burn out and then I'd mm. beat myself up and I'd feel like shit and I'd hate upon myself and I'd be really negative because inside of me from a young age I knew that there was greatness. I just didn't know what it was. I didn't know how to access it, and so I I built these 
high expectations around the way that I wanted to live. Like I want to be able mm. to travel the world. I want to do something that I enjoy every day. I want to have an amazing relationship with my partner. Um, you know, I want to have friendships all around the world where I can travel, you know, later on this year to America. One of my close friends, her her dad is probably one of the world's greatest personal development speakers at Dr. John D. Martini. Mm. Um, so amazing. I'm I'm really close friends with him and his family or his daughters. Um, so when I travel over there, they're like, look, we'll take you all around the US. We'll hang out. Like I'll hook you up with like the who's who in Miami and all this. So that's the sort of life that I I, I wanted from a young age. I just mm. didn't know how to access it because of the environment I kept putting myself in. My friends used to drink all the time. They were always at the pub on Friday night gambling and drinking. And I thought, you know what? I need to do something different. Mm. So I went out and I started trying to bridge that gap. But what I found was that most personal development does most personal development helps, but it's also part of the problem. Yeah. And it's part of the problem because like, if I tell you my morning routine and you try to replicate that, you're mm. trying to become me instead of figuring out who you are. Yeah. So throughout our lives, we get other people's values implanted onto us from a young age, our parents, then school, teacher, preachers, all of that stuff. Mm. But we lose ourselves. Yeah. Part of the process of life is to rediscover who we are and then live that thing. And that's part of the fun of life is we mm. lose ourselves to find ourselves. So once I realized that, um, I, I spent a lot of time trying to figure out who I was. Once I got really, really clear with what I call our, our personal success map, um, once I got really, really clear with that, after that, everything else just started falling into place because like now I know. I don't drink because it's not that I don't want to drink. It's just, I don't have a reason to drink. Yeah. You know, like I would rather wake up tomorrow morning and start work at five 30 in the morning and work until, you know, six, six 30 tomorrow night, because I'm, I'm trying to do wild shit in my life. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I, I'm not like most people. And I, and I think this is the misconception, right? Is that when you're trapped, you live in a world of pleasure and pain. And even modern day psychology talks about pleasure and pain. And they say that humans are driven by pleasure and pain. Yeah. That's only true when you're not clear with who you want to be. Mm. I don't live in pleasure and pain because all everything that I do has both pleasure and pain. Yeah. Being on this podcast, I love, I love talking. I love teaching. That's my highest value. So I love doing this stuff, but it's also painful because I've got a business to run. I've got staff yeah. to manage. I've got, I could be doing sales right now. Like, so right now there's both pleasure and pain. The question is, what am I trying to do? What's the mm. big mission? And so if it relates back to my mission, my purpose, and my values, then it's game on. So yeah. I don't think about a work-life balance. I think that's the dumbest shit ever. And everyone talks about it, right? Like work-life yeah. balance. You've got life. Yeah. You've got to make life work for you. That's it. I have life. I don't have a work-life balance. I have a life and everything fits into that life. Mm. So my work, my wife is a CEO of our company. We work together. We're with each other 24-7. We work from home most of the time. So my relationship is both work, business, intimate relationship, family. My my the people that we do who come to our events, some of them are my close friends now. And so not only do I do business with them, mm. I've got a gym at home. They come around and train with me. I'll yeah. just shoot a message. I'm like, dude, do you want to have a workout today at lunchtime? Done. They come around and train. Because I don't separate everything in boxes. It's just yeah. I have a life and everything has to fit into that. 
I feel like that's where people can exhaust themselves too when things are in different boxes and they're jumping from one box to another box to another box. Then they're exhausted by the end of it. And they're like, I need more balance in life. But like you said, if you build a life by design and your life is what fulfills you in every aspect, then you're going to live a more fulfilled life. Yeah. And there's a time and a place for everything. So I I have a philosophy about mindset and mental performance, which is very different than most people. Hmm. If you study physics, everything in nature that has a positive charge attracts a negative charge in order to stabilize. Mm. And that's in physics, that's in chemistry, and that's in all fields of science apart from soft sciences like psychology and social science. Yeah. So I don't believe in positive thinking. I think that it's trash. Mm. And I think that it sets people up to fail. And I can prove it so many times. Yeah. People try to be positive. It's because they're trying to counterbalance the negativity within their own thoughts. Mm. So when someone's negative, they go, oh, shit, I need to be more positive. I need to be more positive. They're essentially trying to counterbalance their thoughts. But when we're over positive and we over-exaggerate our positivity, we tend to do dumb shit that we don't think through that then throws Mm. us back into a negative spiral. So you watch people who do all this positive thinking and you watch them go through these big peaks and troughs of positivity and negativity and they lack consistency. They lack just the the flow throughout their life because they'll become like extremely driven, but then extremely Mm. burnt out and then extremely driven and then extremely burnt out. Yeah. I watch this at motivation events where people go to the events and three days later or five days later, they're sick, they're in bed, they're burnt out. And it's because they've, they've overdone themselves. They've overcooked themselves. Mm. So there's there's a balance that's trying to happen within our own psychology. And, and this is starting to become the forefront of modern psychological science, I, I think. But it's only just the start of this sort of thought process. I mean, it's been around for a long, long time. I mean, yin and yang philosophy in in um chinese the chinese philosophy has been around for thousands of years yeah um but for some weird reason we i don't know why people keep talking about positive positivity and positive thinking there's a time and a place for it and it's just, i i think that the best mindset is to be stable like a stable mind mm. beats a positive mind any day of the week and yeah almost all the business owners that i work with that are you know have anywhere between 10 million dollars a year in annual revenue to billion dollar plus most of them are pretty stable. They think mm. about the they think about what could go right, but they also think about what could go wrong. Yeah. They're optimistic, but they're also pessimistic. They watch everything because they need to know what's going on in order to make the right moves. Yeah. People who are over positive tend to over exaggerate the optimism and they think that everything's going to go well until it turns to shit. And we just saw this in the the Bitcoin boom where everyone's just like, oh man, like Get into it, get into it. Yeah. And you know, there's this crypto boom going on. Oh, we're going to take over the world and rule governments and all this. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Now, I made I made some good money out of that stuff years ago. But the thing is that a lot of people were way too optimistic and they weren't thinking negatively enough. And 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 so there was a lot of people who lost a lot of money. How do you assess risk? By looking at the upsides and the downsides. Like that's essentially is risk. And then there's also the reward associated with it and also your position. Yeah. So if I'm going to invest in something. I I, I tell everybody. Mm. Well, I don't tell everybody because it's up to every individual to learn their own lessons. Yeah. If you're going to invest in something financially for a financial risk, you're better off starting with low risk, low reward, and mm. then slowly building up over time. What most people want to do though is because of their own insecurities and that they can't manage their own mindset, because they're insecure, they want to rush everything. So I meet like 20-year-olds and they're like, oh man, I just want to be rich and financially free. Yeah. I'm like, I, I've worked with people that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars, if not billionaires. Yeah. And they don't even give a shit about financial freedom. 
Because anyone who wants financial freedom essentially is saying, I feel trapped financially. And therefore, if I can get to some never, never land, this miracle place of financial mm. freedom, life's going to be great. Do you know how stupid that is? Yeah. I've made, I make more money now than I've ever made in my life. And there is more risk associated with it. I've got to have more legality around it. I've got to have more accounting around it. Like all I've done is I've just created another level of problems. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Like, you know, in order for me to do something now, like I want to go and buy, let's say I want to buy a property. I've got to go and put that in companies. I've mm. got to set up depending trust structures. I've got to set up, you know, all the legalities around it. Like it, this idea of financial freedom is like, yeah, so I can just sit back and do fuck all. Anything in nature that grows, you have to have stress to grow. Everything in nature yes. has stress to grow. And anything in the universe expands based on pressure. So if you mm -hmm. don't have pressure and stress, you're essentially contracting and dying in that area of life. Yeah. You've got to embrace pressure and stress. Whereas all these, you know, people out there, oh, I want financial freedom. Like I'm 22 and I just want this financial freedom. I'm like, man, you got the wrong philosophy. Like you should be saying, how can I take on a hundred million dollar problem? How can yeah. I take on a hundred million dollars worth of pressure and stress and all of that? Because I'm operating at a level that most people never comprehend. Mm, that's what that's it. The stress gets bigger as the more successful you become as well. So yeah. it's important to learn those skills on the journey of becoming successful. But if you don't learn those skills, you're going to get to the end of it and probably feel depressed and suppressed because you're like, fuck, what do I do now? How am I meant to feel now? And then you start all these intrusive thoughts come in and you have to try and navigate them. And that's when a lot of shit can happen in your life. Yeah. Like, do you, do you, like I'm going to ask the listeners who, who want financial freedom. Do you think that if you're broke, someone's going to try and sue you when you've got 300 bucks in your bank account? Mm. just to activate a lawyer, it's probably going to cost 550 to a thousand bucks an hour. Yeah. So they're not going to sue you for 300 bucks, but when you're worth a hundred million dollars mm. and you've got a port, a property portfolio of 50 properties, what do you reckon when, when you walk into a lawyer's office and go, Hey, I want to sue this motherfucker. The lawyer sits there and they're like, tell me about this person. They yeah, property portfolio, hundred million dollar company. They just sit back, they lick their lips and they go, Let's see how long we can make this fucking thing last. Yeah. The more hours that they rack up, the more money they're going to make. Mm. And, and they're quite happy to go after you. They're, they will set up a three to four year court case in order to get money out of you if they need to. Yeah. That shit doesn't happen when you've got no money. So people who think that financial freedom is the answer to having a good life are just plain ignorant. It's ignorance. Yeah. Because the more money you make, the more people are going to come after you, the more you've got to navigate. Um, like you think about if you're paying a 30% tax rate, let's just say a 30% tax rate when you're earning let's say 100 grand a year and mm. i'm just i'm just using round numbers yeah when when you make let's say 30 million dollars a year what do you reckon 30% tax looks like on top of that yeah that's a lot of money right mm. so if you think about all that money that you can save by having good accounting good legal good good structures all of that stuff but that means more meetings with the accountants more meetings with the lawyers mm trying to figure it out. It means more audits by the by the ATO and all that sort of shit. So yeah, just financial freedom is just such a weird thing. Like yeah. people should be asking, kids should be taught this. And and I think every school leader Agreed. should be taught this. Mm. It should be, what's the biggest, what's the number one problem that I want to solve in life? What's my mission in life? And what, what am I prepared to work my ass off for which I know is going to be, I'm going to solve big problems and take on big challenges. Mm. When you think like that, you get out of this trapped, almost like peasant mentality of 
you know, I just, I just want to work so that I can retire. I just want to work so that, you know, I can have the weekends off and I just, I want lifestyle balance. Like that's peasant thinking. That's the way that, Mm -hmm. that's the way that peasants have always thought. And I don't mean to say this in a bad way because some people are going to be pissed off and hate my guts for saying this, but for the one or 2% of people out there who are like, you know what, I've never thought like this. And this is probably the thing that's fucking up my own headspace and, and causing me not to get the results that I want in life. Mm. You know, if you can think, what's the number one biggest challenge that I want to take on in life? What's the What would I wake up every morning that is a huge problem out in the world that I want to go and solve and that I'm ready to run headfirst into those barriers and obstacles? That's when you've got life mastered. That's yeah. when you become the master of life. Not mm. when you're like, I want to avoid all the problems. I want to avoid all the stresses. How can I create this fantasy life that's like a fucking Disney film, you know, where, where the hero at the end and everything's easy and... It, that's just so stupid. Like that's childish. Mm-hmm. Sorry so for most, just, like, ranting, but no, yeah. it's perfect because, like you said, if people are getting reactive or emotional to what you're saying. I challenge the listeners to then ask themselves why they feel reactive to the things that you're saying, and really question those beliefs and why they actually feel that emotional reaction to what you're saying. Because once we understand the why behind things, we truly understand on how we're programmed and how we can use information to best serve us. But we're always staying in the reactive state from other people's words or opinions. It's not going to drive us or influence us in our own life to live our own best life because we're constantly reactive around the people around us or what the world's doing instead of being influential from ourselves 100 something that i teach is that people who are emotionally who people who are emotionally reactive are the easiest to control Mm. because it's so easy to manipulate people's emotions yeah it's hard to manipulate people's very good thinking yeah so when people are triggered they tend to react a certain way and so you know some of the stuff that i talk about is if you one of the fastest ways to manipulate people is through guilt and shame. Yeah. And it happens all the time. Look at charities, they do it. You know, oh, look at this person, they're suffering, like give us money. And so they make you feel guilty and ashamed of shit in your own life. But that's because they're trying to extract cash out of you. They don't tell you that mm. 70 to 90% of that cash is going towards marketing, branding, sales, the CEO's paycheck, all of yeah. that stuff. And the 10% only goes to the people that they claim they're helping. Mm. Now, I'm not saying all charities are like that, but a lot of them are. And I'm not saying don't give to charities, but I'm just saying be very, very careful. If you ever feel guilt or you feel shame, it's because someone else is trying to manipulate you into living either their values or in their mission. Mm, That's so true because in my past, my listeners know, but fairly the new listeners, I was a drug addict from the age of 11 to 18. And the reason why it took me a long time to become sober was because of the guilt and shame attached to some certain individuals want me to keep going so I can stay in that environment. But the day I said, fuck um, guilt and shame, I'm just going to do it anyway. That's when I finally got sober and started building a better life for myself because I realized that exact thing. Like you said, guilt and shame is attached to that. That's awesome. I mean, not many people break out of that and it's normally, it's, it's not a hard thing to do. Like I don't think from my work, it's not a hard thing to give up anything including drugs or alcohol even though it's debatable as to whether you know the neurochemical changes and stuff like that Mm. one thing that i noticed though is that it just gets there's always a breaking point and that breaking point is almost like a never enough like never never again yeah i don't know if you went through it but i i know a lot of people do and then normally they'll test it a couple of times and it just makes them feel like shit but it's almost like they've had that altered mindset of knowing that there's there's something better on the other side 
that was me that switch because like I was similar to yourself. Like I got kicked out of school in grade 11 when I was like 15, but I always knew I had something great within me that needed to be exposed. I needed to find it. And then when I had that moment, like you just said, like that switch that happened, that's why I just accelerated and I haven't looked back since, but it was that switch that just made me think, fuck this, let's go after it. What was it that made what was it made you you give it up? Like what was the the factor? Was it the pain or was it the like future? I was sick of the mentality of being a victim of life. Cause I kept using the victim mentality to keep me in the shit. And then once I had a realization, I was just like, I'm constantly telling myself these stories and constantly, constantly putting these labels on myself that's keeping me in this shit. But I was like, what happens if I change these labels that I put on myself? What happens if I go from a victim mentality to someone who's a leader in life? Let's see what happens. And once I put that mindset shift within my own mind and started embodying that every day, like within a couple of years, like my life switched like a lot quicker than I thought I ever could do. Like I've been sober now for eight years because I'm 25, but the amount I've achieved within this last eight years has been something that I couldn't even predict it back then. But just shows that if you have that switch and you stick to it consistently over a time period, you can actually achieve anything you really want in life as long as you have a good game plan and you stick with it over time. That's awesome. Well done, man. That's not, yeah. not a lot of people where... Cheers, bro. I, I call it pumpkin nuts. Big <laughs> balls. Not, not many people have big pumpkin nuts pumpkin where they nuts. Just, like <laughs> something and just follow through on it. Like, you know, my best mate, He's he only reached... I, I, I broke away from him... And the friendship circle was in in my like early twenties. Yeah, and he reached out to me about two and a half years ago, three years ago, and he uh, he's uh, you know going uh, he he's in a bit of trouble because he was he got done for mass drug importation and a whole bunch of other stuff and was using mm-hmm. drugs and and all that and uh, you know he'd had multiple convictions, but it wasn't until he realized that his kids were going to be taken away from him forever if he went to jail for a long long time that that was yeah. like the switch. A lot of people need to hit rock bottom, but not only rock bottom, they have to like bury themselves in the ground and then get yeah. the shit kicked out of them in order to then want to change. Mm. You know, every week I'm on the phone and, and you know, someone will go, oh, I need to change. Uh, you know, I know I need to do something different. And you, you say to them like, okay, cool. Either come to one of my events or, you know, there's some products or services or whatever. Like, let's go. Oh man, I need to think about it. It's like your life's been shit for 10 yeah. years. What do you need to think about? Yeah. It's like people have a habit of stalling to go back to what they know versus like, going going to what they know they have the capacity of doing or becoming mm, and interesting so it's cool that sort of you had that switch to think about what you wanted to become yeah and i feel like a lot of people as well when they start getting close to their potential in life they start unconsciously implementing self-sabotaging behaviors to get them back out of that potential and get them back rather than that comfort zone that they were once in. And I see a lot of people getting close to that potential in life, but unconsciously for some reason, they get dragged back into their own, the old habits, the old environment. Then they go back again a couple of years later, but then self-sabotage themselves back again. What's your thoughts on that? Um, I, I personally don't believe in self-sabotage. I used yeah. to label it, but I don't. Um, so just quickly, a quick little tip that I've, I learned years ago was that labels are only there to understand. They're mm. never there to define. So when someone says to me, you know, I have an anxiety disorder, I'm like, yeah, cool, whatever. Because you're essentially labeling yourself as something that you're using it as a way of defining yourself, not a way of understanding yourself. It's there yeah. for a reason. You got to go and find the reason why it's there and then figure out what are the triggers how to use them because I I guarantee everything in life is there as a benefit. Yeah. It's just trying to, there, there's certain shit that, that is triggering it and you've got to go and figure it out. I worked only 
probably about six months ago with a person who had, they were labeled as they had social anxiety disorder. And anxiety is normally driven from time frames. Mm. So anytime we're in a rush to try to achieve something, anxiety spikes and it's almost like an adrenaline response. So if you're stuck in traffic and you know you've got to be somewhere in 30 minutes and you're 20 minutes away, but you look down the road and the traffic hasn't moved for the last 15 minutes, you're thinking, fuck, I'm I'm going to be late. Yeah. Anxiety will spike. So it's an anxiety response in almost all cases. Every case I've ever worked with, there's always a time frame, but there is always exceptions to the rules. So someone who's listening now goes, yeah, but mine's different. Uh, maybe. I just haven't seen it yet. But there's always exceptions to the rules, okay? And I'm and I'm not I'm smart enough to know that there there is always an exception. Yeah. So this person, I said, well, what do you what were you in a rush to try to do or to get away from? She said, no, I was just at a family function, you know, da da da. And so we end up going through this story, this scenario, and I go back to the moment the anxiety was triggered, and I kept pushing her and pushing her, like, come on, what what was it? There's got to be a trigger there somewhere. And anyway, she gets this breaking point, and she goes. You know what? The truth was that I was only there to please mum and dad. I didn't want to fucking be there. I wanted to get out of there. Mm. Bingo. There's a time frame response where she wanted to get out of there. She was in a rush to get out of the environment because she was subordinating her values. She doesn't have a high value on family and social connection. And so she's going to a family function to please her mum and dad. Mm. And when she's at that family function, she then bang gets triggered with social anxiety. Yeah. But what we also found was that with friends that she had who have similar values, she didn't have social anxiety. So she only had social anxiety when she was hanging around with people with dissimilar values. Mm. And she just wanted to get away from them, as yeah. does everybody. If, you, if you've ever been around people that you don't want to hang out with, you want to get away from them. You start thinking about being somewhere else. That can trigger an anxiety response. Yeah. So... um I, I can't. I can't even remember the question, but I don't know how I got onto social anxiety. Uh, <laughs> oh, it was about the self sabotage and potential and removing the label. Yeah. So, yeah. with the label, once she was able to understand that, she went, "Ah, when I get anxiety, I'm in a rush, and I'm in a rush for something." And what now it started to show her was that in her own mind, her brain is giving her feedback around imbalances that she has, mm. either mentally and emotionally, or when she's outside of her value system or she's doing things that aren't part of her purpose and her mission in life. Yeah. Now I believe, and this is just my experience of working with tens of thousands of people and some of, you know, I've worked with rich listers. I've worked with professional athletes. I've worked with people who've just got out of jail, drug addicts, people mm. that are suicidal. Not that I promote that I do this work. Okay. Cause that's, I just want to help people to perform better. I don't like working with people consistently who hit rock bottom and are fucking struggling in life. Like, yeah, they're not the people that that's not my purpose to work with them. I refer them to other people who have the patience to work with those type of people. Mm. I'm impatient. I'm like, you've got shit to do in life. How can we help you to get that shit done? Let's yeah. fucking do it. And I'll work with you on that. Um, so I, I, I'm pretty intense in the way that I work. Um, but in saying that, that's why I get huge results with people as well. When Definitely. they're, when they're at that level that they want to push. Mm. So Coming back to the um, self-sabotage and, and, and so on um, and the labels, I, be I really believe that labels are there to help us to understand, but they should never, ever, ever, ever be used to define somebody. Mm. And I find that the majority of people that I meet have labels that they define themselves with. And yeah. so they'll say things like, you know, I, I'm depressed or I have a depressive disorder. Yeah, cool. Whatever. 
That's that's fucking great. But the question yeah. is, how does that help you? Let's fucking let's use it to work for you. Mm. I had a young kid who came in with her mum and uh, with his mum, and we sit down and she goes, you know, my son has ADHD, and I went, oh yeah, cool. And she goes, you know, he's just distracted at school and blah blah blah. And and this was years ago, by the way. Like I I don't do a lot of one on one and one work these days unless they're like CEOs or or pro athletes and so on. Yeah, uh, I charge quite a lot. Um. And and I said, okay, so what's the problem? And she goes, well, he, he's always playing computer games and stuff like this, and he doesn't take his school seriously. And I thought, okay, interesting. Now, the question is, is that the mother's problem or is it the child's problem? Mm. So I'm trying to figure this out. Which one is it? So I said to the child, like, so you like playing computer games? Now, this was a young, like getting, getting into teenage years. I think it was like 9 to 11 or something like that. And he goes, oh, I love it, blah, blah, blah. And, and he starts talking. He's all excited about computer games. I went, okay. Mm. And then the mum jumps in and she goes, yeah, but you can't make a living out of that. Like, that's that's crazy. You just can't sit around and play computer games all, all, all your life. Mm. And I went, aha, this is an insecurity of the mother, not mm. the child. So I thought, all right, how do I show the mum that it's her pattern? So I, I, I said to the mum, like, okay, so he's got ADHD, doesn't focus on school. And it's all these bullshit labels, right? Like, can't focus, gets distracted easy. And I'm like, these are just, this is all bullshit. Mm. Right, and I debate people on this stuff all the time. I only recently did a video that sort of went a bit viral on Instagram on this, because ADHD is a fucking shitty label that a lot of people get given when yeah. they are. There, there's a few patterns, right? Like, yes, there are people that are hyperactive. I'm one of them. Mm. Now, I have been told when I was at school that I had ADD, which is now ADHD. I was told that I was dyslexic, all of that stuff. Now, I've read probably I don't know, maybe a thousand books now. I don't, I don't yeah. think I have learning difficulties anymore. I don't, I don't mm. know. But what I know is that when a person is living outside of their values, they forget shit. Mm. So if you give me stuff and research on human behavior, I remember it very, very well. But you yeah. get me to read a book on engineering and mechanics, and I can't figure out how that fits my value, uh, my values, my mission, and my purpose. I forget mm. it. Yeah. My wife says to me sometimes, she's like, why is it that I ask you to get two things from the shops and you fucking forget? <laughs> But you can read a research paper and yeah. later you'll recite the exact data. And I'm yeah. like, values. Like that's they're my values, right? Mm. So everyone remembers stuff based on what they perceive is important to them and what's going to mm. give them the greatest benefit within their own life. Yeah. So everyone forgets stuff and everyone remembers things. The question is, what is it that you remember and and how does that relate to your values? And then what is it that you forget and how does that push away from your values? Mm. What it's trying to do is it's trying to keep you in your lane. I really believe that our brains are wired to try to keep us in our own lane within our own lives. Yeah, Most people's fucked up mental patterns and emotional patterns come from trying to run in everyone else's lane because they focus on Instagram and Facebook and they're like, yeah, but this person has a car and this person's got a six pack. Very rarely do you find someone with a six pack, flies around a private jet, has supercars, has an amazing relationship, has mm. four kids, because it's it, it's too much work in most cases. Mm. Look at Elon Musk, build billion dollar company. Like we're talking almost trillion dollars worth of companies. Yeah. Yet he's been married what four times now. He's got is it ten kids or eleven kids or yeah, something? Yeah, eleven like kids so or something. Yeah. Four different mums. So like the dude crushes it in business. Probably not the best family man. Yeah. So the truth is that we're all good at stuff and we're all shit at things. Mm. How do you how do you live life where your greatness is expressed? And you just understand that there is shit that you shouldn't do because mm. it's not you're not good at those things. How? Oh, and, sorry. Oh, yeah. 
Um, so, so I with, with this mum, right? So I I'm sitting there with her, and I thought, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna show her that it's her, mm. but I don't want to tell her because when you tell people, they shut down their thinking. They don't they yeah. don't really think through things. So questions open people up to think, and then there's good questions and there's not so good questions, which we call shitty questions. So most people ask themselves shitty questions like, why am I so fat? Well, you're fat because you're overeat, you're a pig, blah, blah, blah. That's how most people think. They are shitty questions. Their brain gives them feedback and it's not empowering to them. Mm. Okay, So someone might ask like, you know, why don't I have any money? And their brain goes, well, because you're dumb, you're stupid, you dropped out of school. That doesn't help you to achieve. So yeah. ask a better question. Like, how can I express my greatness? How can I learn more? How can I develop myself better? They're better questions. Mm. You open up, you're opening yourself up to think better. Statements normally shut down the brain. So if someone, if if you say to someone, they, they might say, oh, you know, I'm sick and I feel unhealthy, blah, blah. And a coach comes along and they say, well, you know, have you thought about exercise? And they go, oh, no, it's just, you know, I'm just fat. I'm just big boned. Yeah. But your brain goes back to sleep because you just made a statement. Statements close you off to thinking. Hmm. Most people ask shitty questions and give statements. Statements yeah. shut down the brain and shitty questions just lead to shitty answers. Very few people train themselves to ask good questions, which essentially gives them good answers. Mm. So that's number one. Anyway, um, coming back to the mum. So I um I said to the mum, I'm like, okay. So he so he's been diagnosed with attention deficit disorder. Is that correct? Yep. And so he has a problem concentrating. Yep. And he has a problem rem- remembering things. Yep. You're sure of that? Yep. And what, what's the problem with him playing computer games? And she said, oh, he just plays all the time, Michael. And mm. I said, oh, so like how often, how long would he play for if you just let him go? And she said, Michael, the other weekend, he played the whole day on Saturday. Just the whole day. I had to stop him for five minutes so that he could eat lunch. And he literally played from first thing in the morning until I told him to stop playing the game in the afternoon and to start doing some other shit. So he played for like 10 hours straight. And I looked at her and I said, hmm. And he remembers like he remembers how to play the game and like he can get back to the same level and all this sort of stuff. Yep. Mm-hmm. I said, does that sound like somebody to you who has a deficit of attention? Mm. Does that sound like somebody who has a, a retention disorder where they forget shit all the time? What it was was that the mother, and this is the story behind it, the mother had immigrated from uh, you know, almost like a third world country, came to Australia, worked really, really hard and worked her ass off. Mm. Fair enough. But she felt guilty and insecure because she never had a university degree and she never had the opportunity of doing well at school. Mm. And so now she's got a son. And that son, she wants to give him the best life possible. And in her mind, she perceives that she didn't have the best life possible because she didn't go to uni and she didn't get a good education. So now her insecurity, she then projects onto the child and then goes, I want my child to have a better life than me. Therefore, if he can avoid my insecurities, then he will have a better life. Mm. And so she's pushing him to do really well at school so that he doesn't go through the same, what she perceives pain and trauma that she's been through within her own life. Yeah, She doesn't realize that that's her insecurity and that's her past, or you could call it a trauma. I hate that word, but her past trauma that now she's projecting onto the child that's unfair on the child. Yeah. The question is, where is the child great? Mm. And how do we nurture that child to express its greatness in the world so that it knows who it is and stays in its lane? Yeah. I then went on to show her the, the people. We're talking, you know, years ago now. 
the people that make millions of dollars a year playing games, the computer programmers, the designers, all of that sort of shit who make millions. Now, she mm. never perceived and she never even thought that people could make millions of dollars and outperform university educated people because they play computer games or because they set up you know, games and, and do gaming and all that sort of stuff. She just, it never crossed her mind. And my mum was the same. That's why I know this, because my mum was exactly the same. She fell pregnant with me at 17 years of age in a Catholic family mm. to my bogan atheist dad. And my mum projected her insecurity onto me of needing to get a good education. Yet I had all this pressure on me through school and I wasn't the best at school. Yeah. But when I got out of school, I was my last year of as a personal trainer, and we're talking 11 years ago, I made $275,000 um, as a personal trainer mm. and set up franchise systems and all this sort of stuff. Now, this was before the internet stuff. Now, you know, trainers can make millions of dollars and all that stuff selling online programs. This was before that, that time. So I was probably one of the highest paid trainers in the country unless I owned businesses and, you know, franchise systems and all that. So I was making wicked money. My mum went from like, you're quitting your diesel mechanic apprenticeship to, or, you know, after I got signed off, you're quitting that where you can go to the mines and make a, a shit ton of money. And this was mm. before the mining boom. Like it was just the start of the mining boom. So they were throwing cash at people. If you just lived your life for 10 years being a mechanic, you could set your life up, family, houses, properties, all that stuff. That was my mum projecting her insecurities and her dreams onto me. That wasn't mm. me. I said to my mum, I'll probably be dead if I live that life. Like I'll kill myself. That's not what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah, but no one's a personal trainer. There's no money in it. No one wants personal trainers. I, you know, by the time I started making good money, I was in magazines and shit like that. I'd written yeah. articles that were features in magazines. My mum would go around and tell everyone how great I was doing. Oh, look, this is my son. Look at it. And then I go to her and I say, look, I'm quitting that career in order to go and follow my dream of working in mindset and mental performance and helping people with their headspace. Mm. No one does that. No one cares. You're non-university educated. You don't have a psychology degree. What are people going to think? Now, I've got two supercars in the garage, live in a beautiful house, married. Like I, I love my life. I get to work with the most amazing people. I get to do shit like this every day. Like I fucking love it. Yeah. And now my mom's like, Mike was traveling to Hawaii later on in the year to speak at like a, a, an annual conference and da da da. And she tells everybody because my mum just wants the best for me. That's really her yeah. great. Just wants the best. But the best for me in most cases, she's not thinking about me. She's thinking what would be the best for me because that's the guidance that I can give to my son. Yeah. Okay. And we've got to be careful of that, especially as parents. But I was coming across, sorry, there were two things there and just, Tell me to shut up because I can talk about this for ages. No, it's epic, brother. It's good. It's good value. So labels, again, are there to understand. They're not there to define. This kid was getting defined with ADHD. That was just a label that was there to understand how the child operates. That when he operates outside of his values, he tends to have an attention deficit and he tends to have a retention deficit and he yeah. tends to become more hyperactive. Yet when he does something he loves, and if you go and look at all the studies on ADHD and even the diagnosis of ADHD, it says that people who have attention deficit or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, they they tend to be hyper-focused on things that they love to do. Why mm. the fuck wouldn't you give them more things that they love to do to do? Because they're super-focused. Or strength-based learn. 100%. They will outperform yeah. most people. If, if it's something that they enjoy, they will outperform mm. them. Yeah. Why would you set them up to fail? Why mm. would you give, Why would you try to get them to do things that they don't want to do? And I hear people at the time, they're like, yeah, but there's some things that you you you, you know you need to do in life that you don't want to do. I understand mm. that. That's why we delegate shit. That's called delegation. Find someone else who is better than you at that skill set and delegate it to them. 
Yeah. Right? The other thing is you can link it to your values. So I had a coach who used to work for me, Justin. He had a son, Xavier. Justin came to me, uh, it was about August or September, I think about four years ago. And he said to me, oh, Xavier's not doing the best at mathematics at school. I said, oh, well, what's going on? And he said, oh, I don't know. Like, I don't know how to get him to really focus on maths. Like, he just doesn't care about it. I said, mm -hmm. okay, do you want him to be good? And he said, well, yeah, of course I do. And I said, you need to link it to his values. So understand yeah. his values. You don't need to give them the test. Just watch their behavior. What does he love doing? And he said, oh, he loves playing computer games. He loves building things. Uh, he loves like constructing stuff and he loves physical exercise and physical movement. I said, okay, cool. We're talking like a nine-year-old kid here. Hmm. And I said, okay, what, what computer games does he play? And then Justin said, he loves playing Minecraft. Now I've never played it before. I know nothing about it. And he said, you build stuff with it. And I went, all right, yeah, cool. And I said, you've got to figure out a way of showing him that that's mathematics. Hmm. Anyway, a couple of weeks later, Justin said, oh, I've been teaching him like addition, multiplication, and division. And I don't know how he did it. This is, you know, Justin figured all this out. And um, he said, look, I've been teaching him mathematics through Minecraft and showing him how it helps him to be better at the game. Yeah, wow. Well. Anyway, just before Christmas time, we're talking like start of December um, that same year, Justin rings me and he goes, dude, you'll never guess what. And I said, what's going on? And he goes, Xavier asked for mathematics books for Christmas. Wow. And I said, you've got to be shitting me. And he said, I think I overcooked it. <laughs> so you know, we had a bit of a laugh. But it was because now Xavier understands that using mathematics, he can play the games better. Mm. So it's not overlaying it on his values. It's actually linking it to his values. Mm. So like I have a high value on teaching, learning, um, teaching, learning, and coaching. That's my highest value. And my second highest value is um, like uh, connection, but I only really like connecting with people that I can teach or that I can learn from or that I can coach. So I like surrounding myself with people that I learn off of and bounce ideas or they want to learn from me. I like that type of environment. And then I've got business and wealth creation as my third highest. So um, what I found was I really struggled doing sales in business because my second highest value of like social connection, I wanted to like fit in. I wanted to teach people. Mm. So I would get on the phone and I'd spend two hours doing a coaching session, which I'm supposed to be selling a product and a service, but I'm, I'm coaching. Yeah. What I did was I actually grabbed, I wrote uh, in a journal, what's the benefit of selling? And then what I what I did was I went through and linked 100 reasons or 200 reasons that are the benefit of the person if I sold them instead of coaching them. Hmm. And what I realized is it created an accountability. It kept them accountable for their own goals, that people don't pay attention unless they pay for shit. And so what I'm actually doing is I'm helping them to create that accountability to move forward towards their own dreams. If I don't sell them and I give them free advice, people don't take that shit seriously most of the time. They'll yeah. take a little bit, but they don't. When you're in pain, like when I've got to pay for something and it hurts, I'm like, I got to get the, the most out of it. I got to fucking. You're emotionally invested. 100%. And so what I realized was I was doing a disservice to my own values of coaching, teaching, and also mm -hmm. learning because most of my money I reinvest back into study and, and coaching, like getting coached and traveling and, and learning off of others. So. I was doing a massive disservice to myself and also the client by not closing them on sales. Mm. So it wasn't that I've got to sit there and logically think about it. It's just now my brain goes, ah, it's linked to my values. If you don't close this person, they're not going to get the result that they want. They're not. Yeah. Right? Like I can't spend an hour on the phone with someone and give them the same worth that I can. Like if they join our, our business mastermind, they, they get a year with me and a mm. year in an environment of other business owners that are, that are producing millions of dollars every year. Like, yeah. So 
linking is really important. Now that brings us back to, um, so, so values are super important. Linking to values is super important. But then that brings us back to self-sabotage. Yeah. Self-sabotage is prioritizing shit in the incorrect order within your own value structure. And then you label it as self-sabotage. Mm. So if my highest value is teaching, learning, and coaching, and my second highest value is, I call it high value connection or or, or leadership, like influential connections. Um, that's what I label it as. Now, if I'm if I've got let's say gym and exercise, that's yeah. physical appearance and physical movement is my third highest value. Like I love training, I love exercise, I've got my own gym at home, all of that stuff. So I love training, but if the business needs me. I will prioritize the business over exercise because at the moment, business is a higher value of mine than physical movement. Mm. Now, some people go, well, that's self-sabotage. I don't label it as self-sabotage. It's just directing me back to my values. Yeah, well. So if you've got a mum, and let's say her highest value is family, and then her second highest value is, is um, so let's say it's family, then it's uh, like health and wellness. Yeah. And then the, actually, sorry, I'm going to change that. Their first first value is family. Second highest value is um, financial stability, and then the fourth, uh, the third highest value is uh, health and well being. Yeah. All right. So the top three values. Now let's say she's married. Husband's highest value is career, so he works a lot, but he also provides good financial stability for the family, so that makes the mother feel safe and and all of that sort of stuff. Second highest value for him might be social connection also. So he likes hanging out with people and, and catching up with people. And then he might have a value on uh, like physical fitness. Mm. Now, let's say the mum goes, you know, what? I haven't been looking after myself. I'm going to commit to the gym and I'm going to go five days a week. So she does that for a couple of weeks. But now all of a sudden, her family are sick. So the kids are at home sick. Yeah. What will happen is she will reprioritize based on unfulfilled highest values. That family is more important in her own unconscious state than going to the gym. Mm. So then she's at home for a couple of days with the family looking after the family because that's her true priority. That's her true highest priority. But she may label that as self-sabotage. She goes, you know what? I just self-sabotaged by not going to the gym. Like I really, And so now she's starting to self-defeat and start to self-depreciate and beat herself up. And she labels that as self-sabotage when it's not. All it is, is just saying family at the moment is a higher value and a higher priority. And until that value is taken care of, it's hard for me to progress to the other priorities. Yeah. Which is also the reason why financial stability is her second highest value. Yet she chose not to go to work for the week because she was at home looking after her family. Mm. She actually prioritized her life in the right order based on her values. Yeah, but because she expects that they shouldn't be that way, and she's got this unrealistic expectation of her values, now she calls that self sabotage. There's actually no such thing as self sabotage. It's just a reprioritization of unfulfilled values. Mm. Once you realize it's that, life becomes so much easier, and you don't beat yourself up about it. You're just like, yeah, yeah, I just can't go to the gym this week. Family's more important. That's an epic perspective too, because that's triggered a lot of trying to fall within my own mind to think about this new perspective on what self-sabotage is and how it leads to your highest core values. And for the people listening here too, if there if there's someone sitting there, I know a lot of people have been at this point at some point and go, I don't know what my values are. Oh, how can people identify that? Um, there's a few different ways, like there's different values tests online. Um, what I will say is you've got to be careful because what most people think about values are social ideals. 
And social ideals are things like kindness, happiness, um, joy, mm. like they're, they're emotional states. What the fuck are those things? Like, yeah. The, the question is, what are physical, tangible things? Whoop. Sorry, just give me a second. Oh, all good. Uh, I think my camera just overheated. There we go. I'm just on uh, my secondary camera. Oh, sweet. That's all good. Um, so values are physical, tangible things. And the field of study of values is actually called axiology. Mm. Axiology focuses on two main key um, fields, economics and philosophy. Philosophy asks the questions, where do I feel the most valuable as a person? That's philosophy. Then this, the economics part of the question is, where am I the most valuable in society? Hmm. So for me personally, I make the most money teaching, coaching, and I've I've seen thousands of coaches over the last 11 years that I've been specifically in coaching. Um, and even when I was a personal trainer, I saw thousands of personal trainers come into the industry and go. Yeah. And and the thing is that a lot of people, I, I mean, I've, I've over the years, I've had a lot of people come to my events, want to try and be me. They try to copy me. They try to steal clients. They steal my work mm. and shit. But the thing is, they're not going to win. Yeah. They can't yeah. win because they're, they're trying to compete with me within my own values. They're trying to run in my lane. All that happens is they're just going to trip and fall. Mm. So- my values dictate how I operate. And, you know, like I said before, my good friend is Dr. John D. Martini. Um, and so, you know, like we both have a, our highest value is teaching, coaching, and educating and, and learning. He's one of the smartest people I've ever met. But we've got different skill sets. Like my second highest value is is the the connection and the leadership part. He doesn't have that part. So for him, he, he can do it, but he can't do it for long periods of time where I can go out and meet like anyone and so I just talk to people randomly and all that sort of stuff. And mm. I, I naturally just want to help people through my conversation because I meet a lot of people. So my values dictate both my fulfillment. They dictate how successful I'm going to be at the fields that I choose, how consistent I'm going to be. Like if I have a full week of coaching, like I've got a seven-day leadership course that I run. Mm. After that seven days, I'm like, I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want to see anyone because that value is maxed. Yeah. Two days later, my brain's like, right, how do we start coaching people? Like, I noticed myself starting to coach my wife with things like, she'll be making a coffee. And I'm like, oh, honey, can you just do it like this? And can you just add this in? And she's like, stop coaching me. And I'm like, sorry, because <laughs> I've got to get back to it. Like my brain's saying mm. that value is, it was full. Now it's starting to become empty. Go back and do that thing. Mm. So coming back to the, the question about values, how do you discover your own values? You've got to make sure that you're not, thinking about social idealisms like kindness and happiness and joy and all that stuff because they're yeah. emotional states and they're idealisms. Real values are physical, tangible things that you work towards within your own life. The word fulfillment essentially means to fill up. Mm. So there's an emptiness or an insecurity that you have within <clears throat> your own life that you're trying to fulfill. So for me, growing up, I didn't feel smart enough. I was put into special classes, you know, the whole, you probably have dyslexia, mm. attention deficit disorder, all that shit. Yeah. I was put into special classes. So I had this emptiness within my own life of feeling like I wasn't smart enough. Yeah. That forces me to go and learn and to grow and to be better. I was also picked on for being the poor kid at school because my parents, <laughs> my dad worked two jobs. We didn't have a lot of money growing up. My parents couldn't afford basketball shoes when I started playing basketball. Mm. so i had like 20 dollars basketball shoes when everyone else had like nikes and reeboks and shit so i felt massively insecure around money 
which is why now it's a higher value of mine like business because it's probably me trying to make up for that insecurity as a child. Yeah. Also, I was a fat, chubby kid with red hair, freckles, and I in grade five swimming class, I was the only kid to wear a t-shirt at the swimming <clears throat> at the swimming swimming carnival. Yeah. So, at fourteen, I started training and got my first gym membership. Ever since then, I've trained almost every day. Mm. I, I couldn't tell you the last time I went a week without training. Like I love training, I love physical movement, but it's based on that insecurity that I had as a child, which then becomes a value. So it creates an emptiness, like an empty cup that I'm trying to fill up on. Mm. When I fill up that cup, that we call that fulfillment. <laughs> so should I work on those values every day? Like right now, I'm teaching, learning, so I feel filled. Yeah, I will go back after this and I'll work on the business. I've got my personal trainer coming later, so I'll go and train. Mm. If I can set up my day based on my values, at the end of the day, I'm like, yeah, I crushed this day. I'm loving life. Yeah. I'm also taking on challenges to be better and to push myself, and that's called growth. Mm. So when we're looking at values... First of all, you've got to understand that values are physical, tangible things, not wishful thinking and, and emotional states. They're actually things that we can work towards and achieve mm. that aren't momentary like emotions. Emotions are momentary. They come and go. Happiness, it can be here one second, go on the next. Sadness can be here one second, go on the next. Joy, you can be joyful and then the next second you're depressed. Like yeah. They're emotional states. So that's that's not the thing that we're looking for. That's number one. Number two is that your life demonstrates your values. It's just mm. you don't know it. So let's go back to that mum. That mum's working. She prioritizes the gym and she's she's at work, goes to the gym after work, but now her kids are sick. So she goes back to her highest priority in life, which is family. That's because they're important. Now, I have parents who come to my events all the time. They're like, yeah, but you've got to look after your kids. And I'm like, no, you don't. There are fucking people around the world who throw their kids in a dumpster when they're mm. born. Now, you might, want to, you might not want to admit that to yourself because that feels pretty morbid. And it's like you, you'd go, I don't know how any parent could kill their own child. But the truth is people do because they have no value on that child whatsoever. Zero value. Mm. There are people out there who have zero value on their own health. They're right now, they're overweight, they're obese, they've got heart disease, they've got diabetes, and they've had a fucking leg amputated. And they're lining up at Macca's right now to go and get their breakfast. And then they're going to walk across and get a, a block of chocolate and eat that while they're watching TV for the rest of the day. Yeah. Now, you might judge them and go, I don't know how anyone can do that, but that's because you have a high value on health. They don't. Mm. For everyone who has a high value on their health, there's someone else who probably has a low value on their health. So some people don't give a shit about money. Some people, it's it's really important to them. Some people don't care about business. Other people do. That's what makes the world go around. But a lot of people say things like, yeah, but you've got to, you've got to look after your health. No, you don't. It's just you're telling yourself that it's a high priority because it's a high value. Mm. And you can't understand how somebody else could do that. Parents who have a high value can't understand how someone can mistreat their kids. But the truth is there's plenty of people all around the world who mistreat their kids every fucking day. Yeah. You just could never do it because it's a high value. I used to walk around saying to people, you know, the most important thing that you can do is learn because the more that you learn, the better life becomes. But that's because it's a high value of mine. Mm. So that's where we're projecting values onto other people. So if you look at your life, your life actually demonstrates your values. It's just a matter of clarifying them now. Yeah. So if you look, what I normally do at my events is I get people to write down their week. And I say, is that a typical week? And so if you have a look, someone goes to work Monday to Friday, they work until five o'clock, they go home, they spend time with family. They might go to the gym twice a week. But essentially those timeframes are blocked out in their values. Mm. But then what happens is people don't want those to be their values because they're living with implanted values. Like the amount of people I meet and they're like, 
yeah, but I don't want to work. I don't enjoy my job. And I'm like, well, don't. And they're like, yeah, but you got to work. And I'm like, no, you don't. Just go on the dole. Just hang out, chill out, do fuck all with your life. Mm. Ah, you got to work. What they're saying is I could not imagine life without a career. So that's a high value to them. It's just they don't want to admit it because they're living with fantasies. They've got some delusion in their head about how life should be. And so they're trying to live up to a fantasy. That fantasy doesn't match their current reality, which then makes them feel like shit about their career. Mm. Okay. It comes down to expectations as well, especially expectations of other people and their own values getting pushed onto yourself. Mm-hmm. I have all the time people say, Michael, you work too much. And I'm like, listen, I work too much compared to you. Yeah. What you're saying is you could not work the amount of hours that I work because you would find it unfulfilling. Mm. I find it fulfilling. I train most days for like anywhere between an hour to three hours a day. Like some days I'll go and do jujitsu and then I'll go and do a weight session. Yeah. I train quite a lot because I enjoy it and it, it helps me to sort of calm my energy down that I have, that over excessive energy sometimes. Mm. So I like training like that. Some people are like, oh man, you're probably overtraining, you're probably overcooking it. If I don't do that, I end up the opposite where I just sit on the couch and I'll binge eat chocolate while I'm watching shitty TV that I, and then three days later, I hate myself. And then I go back into the gym because I feel guilty. Yeah. So it's pushing me back to my values anyway. I'd rather just train. Mm. So when people come up and they say, you should do this, they're projecting their values onto me. When someone says you work too much, they're saying, if I was you and I was living your life, I would hate it because that's too much work for me. It's like that same perception as projection. That's exactly what it is, right? Like, mm. you know, parents, I hear people say, you know, you, you spend too much on your kids. What they're really saying is if I were you, I wouldn't spend that much money on my kids because they're not as high a value as yours. When yeah. you understand that's what people are saying, <laughs> you just stay in your own lane. You're like, yeah, cool. I get it. Thanks. I appreciate it. Mm. Heaps of people think my life's out of balance. You know, one day you're going to regret the life that you've got. I'm like, motherfucker, I live a better life than you. I yeah. wake up every morning and I'm pumped. That's the thing. It works for you because it's aligned to your values. And I understand that with myself as well because people look at me and what I do and they think you're always on a mission to do something. Like, do you ever rest? Do you ever sit down? Do you ever watch TV? I'm like, yeah, every now and then I do it, but it's not my core value to sit around. Like, I love being productive and doing things that fulfill me every single day. Uh, if I sit down and watch TV, I will feel fucking drained of energy. But if I'm yeah. up and running an event, if I'm up doing the podcast, whatever I'm doing, I'm full of energy and I'm ready to go. And if I consistently do that, I always feel great long-term as well. Like you said, it's just identifying what works for you and sticking with that. And then other people's projections that they put onto you, just look at that and think, cool, that's their own values getting pushed onto me. And I don't have to take that on. That's just their perception. Yeah, that's that's all it is. Like I think the more, what, what I have learned, and I could be wrong with this, but what I've learned is that the more that I learn about myself and the clearer I become, the easier it is to navigate life. Hmm. And the more successful that I become and the, the more you know I become a leader, the more people project shit onto you. So yeah. every day I get social media um, messages. You swear too much. You should do this. Your event should be cheaper. You shouldn't charge so much. If you cared about people, you wouldn't. And I'm like, why don't you run events? Why don't yeah. you do that? Why don't you get on podcasts and swear less? Like you do, you do you. Like, yeah. thanks. I appreciate your message, but I ain't going to be you. Yeah. So leave me the fuck alone to do my thing and to run in my lane. Mm. If you run in my lane, I will kick your feet out from underneath you so that you trip over and get out of my fucking way because you're just standing in front of me trying to stall me. Get yeah. out of my way. But if you want to align with me and you want to run next to me in your own lane, cool. I'll hold your hand and, and I'll pull you along. Like, let's go. Mm. You know, I think one of the greatest things that I learned many, many years ago, and I, I was thinking about this because I was 
I'm a bit of a weird person. Like I observe, I observe shit and then I try and find the science behind it. But I just remember watching a car drive across a bunch of leaves and I realized it was like my friends. When I was younger, I always used to try to help my friends and I would stand behind them and try to push them along. Bad Mm. strategy. And I, I see people do it all the time. You know, they're in a relationship and they'll say, oh, you know, I would love to come and do one of your events, but you know, I, I need to convince my wife. Like I really need to get my wife along or I need to get my husband along. I'm like, look, stop. You can't even make a decision for yourself. Yeah. What sort of a leader are you? I wouldn't, if I was your partner, I wouldn't do the event with you because you're essentially trying to change me when you won't even fucking change yourself and take responsibility for that shit. Mm. And so I say to them, you do it first and let your, let your walk become your talk. So you show them what it looks like, and I guarantee you they'll be there in the next couple of years. Yeah. But if you tell them to do it, you're standing behind them trying to push them because you want them to lead because you won't lead. Mm. So I realize that if you watch cars drive over leaves, when they drive over the pile of leaves, the first thing that happens is a whole bunch of leaves get you know, um, and spat up behind the car. Yeah. But the faster the car drives, the more it creates a vacuum. Mm. And that vacuum pulls the leaves behind the car and there'll be a big bunch of leaves that tumble behind the car as the car's driving. Then there'll be like another group of leaves that sort of tumble behind, but they're a little bit slower. Mm. Then you see, then as the vacuum goes and the car's gone, even a minute after the car's driven over the leaves, you'll see a couple of little small leaves just bouncing along the ground, right? Because that vacuum is still there, just pulling it along a little bit. Mm. What I realized is when you stop the car, no leaves, no leaves move whatsoever. There's no movement. Yeah. So in my life, all I do is I just go flat out and create enough of a vacuum that if people want to come on the journey, they will just be pulled into the vacuum behind me and I'll be able to help them move forward. Mm. But the day that I stop is the day that they stop. Mm. So all I do in my life is I just try to live my life in my own lane and I go flat out as fast as what I want. Like some days, you know, yesterday I just chilled all day. Um, but you know, there are other days I, I'm pretty adaptable. Like I don't have rules about, I need to do all this shit and I need to have a morning routine. Like I, I pretty much do what I want every day, as long as it gets the best out of me. Yeah. The best out of me is sleep. And there's a, um, question that came up from before that reminded me of something you said on another podcast. And you said that everyone has insecurities, but constantly giving away signals. So how can people identify their own signals from their insecurities that they have so they can work on them? The more you work on yourself, the more you see everyone else's insecurities, which then makes you realize that everyone has them. So it doesn't matter. The, in yeah. fact, the toughest people that I've ever come across are normally the most insecure. Mm. So you've got a persona, which is your mask that you wear. Okay, The mask that you wear is the external mask that you're trying to create to please others. That's mm. called your persona. Then you've got your personality, which is who you believe you are on the inside. So you can have the best body and you can show that. And so you'll be on Instagram showing how amazing you are and you'll have your bum out, your boobs out, your six pack and whatever. That's your persona. But on the inside, you may still feel like shit about yourself and still think that your body's gross. Mm. The bigger the gap between the persona and the personality, the more mental health problems someone will have. Yeah. The closer the mask and the closer the, 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 sorry, the person, the persona and the personality, the more congruent someone lives. So I try to be as congruent as I can. Now that doesn't always mean that I am. Like there's there's sometimes there's a different mask. Like sometimes I go and meet people that are a politician or something like that, and I'll I'll hold off on the swearing a little bit. Mm. That's I'm just adapting for that environment because there's something I'm trying to get out of that environment or whatever. But the the bigger the gap, the worse a person is, right? So like yeah. 
if you are spending every cent you have trying to look rich, but on the inside, you know, you're poor, that's going to cause massive mental health issues. And I've seen people suicidal like that. Mm. Um, so trying to look rich uh, when you're not, when you don't have money is a really bad idea. Just like, mm. you know, smiling all the time on Instagram and showing off your body and being half naked all the time when you feel insecure about how your body feels is probably one of the worst things because you're going to get people who criticize and judge you. Yeah. And and that's never going to change. Like we're in a society now where we're trying to cotton wool everybody. Mm. I get judged all the fucking time. I mean, I drive around in supercars and and you watch little kids stand on the side of the road and they wave and they smile and they're like, hey, and they like last night I was out and I reckon probably I met maybe 30 people because I was just sitting there. I was with one of my mates who was out drinking most of the day and I said, I'll come pick you up. And I was just driving around the area. So I went and picked him up and we went to the pub. And I was just going to get a feed and and people were always around the car. And, mm. um, you know, they they would sort of like, they go, oh, is this your car? And then so I'd open it up and I'd let them look at it and things like that. But at the same time, for every person that that is inspired by that car, someone else thinks that I'm a dickhead or that I rip people off or that I'm a scammer or that I'm a drug dealer. Like, mm. we, you know, just watching how people react to money and, and someone else's success is really interesting because it really mm. brings out a lot of insecurities for people. Mm. Um, and so th- they're going to justify why I've got what I've got in whatever way fits w- whatever. Like if someone's insecure, they're like, oh, he's probably a drug dealer. Or he probably ripped people off. He's probably a scammer. I bet he did crypto. Like they're all trying yeah. to figure it out. Like, you know, I don't, but so my point is that if you don't, everyone has insecurities and those insecurities are based on their values. So when someone says to me, you're shit and you're dumb and you don't understand any of this stuff, that's probably one of my greatest weaknesses because I try to bridge the gap in my knowledge also like my second highest value of social connection so when someone says you know you don't give a shit about people that hurts big that hurt well it, it does in a way but i've come to realize that that's just them projecting but yeah. for a long, long time that used to hurt a lot because that's the area where i'm most insecure because that's the areas that i feel are most important to me mm. if someone came up to me and said michael you're a really shitty dad you don't look after your kids i'm like i don't even have any kids you fucking peanut <laughs> so i don't care yeah. So things that are of low value, we don't we don't have those insecurities. But things that are high value, tend to, we tend to be the most insecure around. Mm. So the insecurity actually drives the need to want to fulfill that value. So it's a very fine line. Like we're always, I, I, all humans are trying to walk a fine line between their insecurity giving them drive to want to close that gap and make them less insecure, or it pushes them over the edge and just makes them fall to bits. Yeah. So like if I. Normally, if you have a look at how someone operates, you can tell a lot about them just based on their insecurity. So like if I meet someone who dresses really, really well, I know that their insecurity is probably their physical appearance. Mm. If I meet someone who's a gym junkie, I know that probably one of their biggest insecurities is their body image and the way that they look. Yeah. If I meet someone who is a very successful business owner and they make a lot of money, I know that their insecurity is probably money and wealth creation Mm. because the value drives insecurity. So it's a really good way. That's... That's why I can go up and just talk to anyone now. I never used to. I used to be a really shy person because um, I was picked on so much as a kid. But over the years, I've learned to just go up and talk to everybody because every person, when you normally meet them, in most cases, they're normally thinking about what you're thinking about them. Yeah. And if you think about what they're thinking about you and you think about what they're thinking about them, no one connects. So if I just walk up and start talking to someone, they're freaking out because they're like, shit, what's this guy think about me? Mm. But I'm not. I'm just thinking about connecting. Yeah. So, you know, and then once you connect with them and everything's cool, then it's fine. But also like I, when I worked in the gym, 
I used to have a lot of the bikies and stuff like that. I used to train their girlfriends and their wives and sometimes their wives and their girlfriends um, <laughs> secretly. Um, but um, they were also good payers because they'd always pay in cash. Um, but my point is like for those, for a lot of those guys, they were really insecure about a lot of things. Mm. And I knew it, even though they were huge and roided up and looked really aggressive and they could probably pop my head like a pimple if mm. they wanted to and do a lot of harm to me. I still knew that that reaction that they had was based on their insecurities because they didn't want to be seen as weak. That's why they were tough. They didn't want to be seen as small and fragile, which is why they were why they were massive. Like you start seeing this in people and you just realize that everyone's dealing with their own insecurities. Just get the fuck on with life and stop worrying about them. Mm, that's so true. Yeah. And in terms of growth in your own life, probably from the start to where you are now and continuing on from now going forward, do you think it's very important to have a mentor in life or someone you can gain guidance from? And ask the right questions too. Um, I think that it's stupid not to. Yeah, agreed. Like, I mean, you can only you'll figure everything out, right? And I, I every week I'm on the phones, especially to business owners. Like, I work with a lot of business owners these days, and a lot of them are tradies. Mm. So I meet, I, I talk to people every week, and they're like, you know, I've got ten staff, I've got a plumbing business, and I'm like, cool. So why did you put any details into our, you know, whatever, like downloading something, whether it be like a a, a, a planner or something, whatever, or, mm. or like um, some of our work around hiring staff and getting good staff and how to manage staff and all that. And they're like, they will talk for a little bit about, you know, how shit their business is. And then when it comes time to make a decision, you watch them backtrack. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. You know, I just need time to think about it. And I just like, I got to go and ask like 15 other people and, and you just listen to them fuck around. Right. Mm. And, and they fuck around because they don't want to make a decision because that decision's on them. And they want to blame somebody else. They want to blame the economy. Like business owners at the moment, you can't find good staff. And I'm like, you can find good staff because good staff are looking for good businesses. The truth is you've just got to shit business. Mm. Your business is the same as everyone else. Like your, your John's plumbing, what's the difference between John's plumbing, Rick's plumbing, Steve's plumbing, Jane's plumbing? Like you're all the same. Your yeah. promotional material is all the same. Your business model is all the same. Let me guess, you go and hang out at the pub after work on a Friday with all other tradies and you all talk about how shit staff are. Mm. Of course, your staff are going to be shit because you're not learning anything different. And even if you've got, let's say you've got a mentor who is a plumber also and they've got 30 staff and they've been in the industry for 30 years. That's all okay. But if they're still complaining about the same problems you have, they're probably not going to be able to help you too much. All you're looking at is yourself in 30 years. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, the amount of trade-based businesses that I speak to these days and all of them complain about how shit staff are. And I'm like, well, what are you going to do about it? Like build a better business. There's a huge opportunity there for you to create a great culture, which is like a magnet that attracts great staff. Mm. I worked with a building company only recently and they said, can't get good staff. They all overpaid. What we looked at was like, who's their perfect staff member? And they were a carpenter who is fit, who goes to the gym, who has a young family, all of that. They don't want to go out drinking after work. They'd rather go to the gym. So what we did was we wrote a job ad and then put it in gyms around the area and said, is this you? And what they found was they they ended up attracting super driven guys who wanted to start work early, finish mm. work early so that they could go to the gym and then be home for you know an early dinner or whatever with their family. They That was like a completely different marketing strategy, which no one thinks about. Because they're exactly. all thinking about how shit staff are. And, and it's just most business owners play this victim mentality and then they wonder why they can't get ahead. Mm. How do you think you can create a, a healthy 
culture within a work environment? Um, it's it's not so much what I think; it's what I know now. Yeah. If in order to create a great culture, the, the culture is the fundamental principle of business. Full stop. When you look at most businesses, they normally start because someone sees a gap in the market or they worked for somebody else and thought, you know, I'm going to go out on my own because I can make more money. But when you do that, your focus becomes sales, money, and delivery. Mm. And so they're the only three areas that most business owners focus on, especially tradies. So they will go, okay, if I can sell enough work and I can do the job, then I can make more money. Yeah. But then what they don't realize is that you've got taxation, you've got accounting, you've got legal, you've got all these other areas, you've got marketing. And so after a while, they become hugely bottlenecked. Then they go, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna bring on another plumber or another tradie. So then they hire someone else that they know and they bring them on. So there's no proper hiring process. There's no proper strategy for implementation. Then they've now got a, a sort of a mate who they work with who doesn't really want their own business, but at the same time, they're thinking about going and starting their own business. And so they, you're working together and things mm. are going all right, but there's some fuck ups and some mistakes. And then eventually you go, you know what, I'll get an apprentice because I can make some more money off of them. But you don't realize that there's a whole bunch of training and development and they're going to make heaps of mistakes and it's going to cost the business some some money and a lot of time. Mm. So now the owner is getting frustrated. They're like, shit, we've got to get all this work out, but customers are pissed off because there's mistakes. And so now they feel trapped and they're frustrated and they they get snappy at the staff that they've got, but they're still doing it okay and more work's coming in. So they go, we'll go hire another couple of staff members. Now mm-hmm. they've got five to 10 staff. They're super frustrated. They feel like the staff that they got are all idiots and jerks and you know, no one thinks through anything and no one can figure shit out themselves. But at the same time, there's no leadership. There's no management. There's no processes and there's actually no business owner. Yeah. Right. So they essentially now have culture by default. The culture is just whatever the culture is. Mm. So boss gets to work. Oh, fucking John's an idiot. He's a dickhead. And then so their staff start running around. Oh, this guy fucked this up and this guy's a wanker. And so it just reinforces this really shitty culture of negativity and everyone pointing out people's problems. And, And it's just, it's such a shitty toxic culture. And then they go, I can't find good stuff. Well, of course you can't find good stuff because good stuff don't want to work for your shitty business with a shitty culture. Yeah. So in order to then change that, the first thing you've got to do is go back to the most fundamental things of human behavior. And this mm. is the same for people, right? People and business, same thing. You need to have a long-term mission. Why are you here? Right? So if you can't, if I ask a business owner, why does your business exist? And you say money, you're already fucked because yeah. money is the exchange of value. So if you don't know what your business is there for and its point of difference in the marketplace, you can't effectively market. You can't effectively sell. You All you're doing is you're essentially price competing now with your competitors. Mm. Okay, And that's it. And, and you ask a business owner, they're like, oh, yeah, but we're better. We'll explain how. Let's go have a look at your Facebook page. Let's have a look at your marketing. Let's have a look at what your staff think. I guarantee you're not. I guarantee you think you are, but I guarantee you're not. Yeah. Because the marketplace can't differentiate the difference between your business and their business. So you've got to have a clear long-term mission. You've got to have a clear long-term vision. If I'm if I'm going to dedicate the next 10 years of my life, you better sell to me as the business owner how I'm going to get growth and how I'm going to achieve what I want in life. Mm. Like if I'm a marketer and I want to go and work for, let's say, Bob's Plumbing, yeah. Bob better now explain to me how the next 10, year of my life, 10 years of my life that I'm going to dedicate to your business, how you're going to give me what I want in life. Mm. Now, most business owners don't think like this because they're arrogant and they're fucking ignorant and they just go, oh, well, I pay them. Like, cool. 
but you're going to pay me, but so is Rick's plumbing and so is Jane's plumbing and so is John's yeah. plumbing. They're all going to pay me. But what you want is you want the best staff, but they all want the best staff too. Mm. So now I'm just going to go price shopping. I'm going to go every one of them and go, well, who gives me the most money? Yeah. That's it. The same mm. as when you don't, when, when you're shit at marketing and you don't understand why your business exists, as a customer, I'm going to go price shopping. Because if you can't tell me the difference between what what's the difference between a two dollar a two dollar fifty a two dollar ninety bottle of water is why would I buy it? Yeah. Where why, why would I buy two ninety when I can pay two ten? Mm. Why would I why would I hire John's electrical that's going to charge me a thousand bucks when someone else is going to charge me five hundred? Mm. It's like understanding the value that comes with it too. Yeah, like you don't get paid more for no reason. Yeah. So if I can identify, if I can sell to my staff why we're here, which we do every morning, every morning we go over our mission, our vision, and our values. And every business owner I tell this goes, oh, yeah, well, you know, fuck, I don't have time to do that. Do you think I do? Yeah. But I don't not have time. My staff now, and I had staffing problems for like 10 years. I've, I've blown millions of dollars on shitty staff, millions. Mm. I now have staff that the reason why I wake up in the morning is to make sure that they crush it today. Yeah. And every morning they come in and tell me about their wins of yesterday. We only talk about their wins, mm. right? So they come in and they're like, oh, I spoke to this person. They're crushing it. They're doing this. And so we have this in our team. We have this whole mentality of like, we are kicking ass. Mm. And so every morning when we come to those meetings, the team are on fire. My job in the morning huddle, which we have at 9.30 every morning at late time, um, nine o'clock Eastern State Time because I've got staff who work all around the country uh, and overseas. At nine o'clock or nine thirty, sorry, Adelaide time is a reset for them. Mm. They come into work and they're thinking about family and what's going on at home and all that shit. My job in the morning is to give them a wake up call. Mm. Right, this is why we're here. This is what we're here to do. This is the vision of the company. This is how we're all going to achieve. We all got each other's backs. We're going to get out there. We're taking on the competition and we're going to fucking win. And this is why. <laughs> Mm. then they get all revved up in the morning. They're like, right, let's get to it. And so they are on fire most of the day. Now, yeah, they have problems and yeah, they have shit. If a staff member can't do their job, they get fired. There's only two reasons why I hire a person. Mm. They're competent and they're a culture fit. That's it. Yeah. But if I'm not building the culture as the owner and I'm not clear about our values and our values are what I reprimand staff on. So we mm. have a high value on communication. If yeah. someone is a shitty communicator and a job fucks up because of poor communication, I pull them aside and I go, hey, look, what happened? Mm. You know that communication is important to this organization. And if there's any training that I need to do on communication, I'm more than happy to help. But please, don't let this happen again. Mm. So I reprimand based on values. Most business owners don't reprimand based on values. They reprimand based on their frustrations and their emotional state. Oh, they fucked this up. I'm going to go fucking blast them. Okay, cool. See what happens to them after that. Yeah. You're going to get low productivity for the next three weeks. Good luck. Mm. You do Bad that amount. for six yeah. months, you've now got a shit staff member that you're paying more than they produce. Well done. Mm. It took me a long, long time to learn this. So a lot of mistakes, a lot of falling over. So coming back to your question, you've got to have a clear mission, a clear vision. You've got to have super clear values. And those values are the only things that you use to reward and reprimand. Mm. So when I talk to staff, I refer back to the values. Hey, I heard you did a wicked job with your communication with this customer the other week. Well done. Yeah. I also had a customer only a couple of weeks ago who, well, they, they weren't even a customer. They put in, they logged a, a lead form. They booked themselves in for the following Monday. And then late Monday afternoon, like 
I get this message and it's like, you know, um, you missed your appointment with me. I set up the appointment. You obviously don't give a shit about your customers. You don't care about them. You're just a scammer and a fraud like every other coach, blah, blah. This email was like scathing. Yeah. I thought, shit, maybe I've I've made a mistake. I went and had a look at the date. The dickhead booked in for the following Monday, not the Monday that I like, not the Monday that we're at. So I wrote back a nice little email. Mm. Look, communication is important in this organization. Mm. We only work with people who are good communicators. Now, there's only two ways we can move forward from here. You booked in the following week, not today. So to move forward, I'm more than happy to do a 30-minute consult with you, but you need to apologize mm. because I will not work with someone who speaks to me like that. Yeah. Now, if you choose not to do that, I'm more than happy that you go find somebody else and I wish you all the best on your journey. Mm. Done. Because I am now setting boundaries for who I work with based on the values of the organization. Yeah. I would much prefer to work with a good communicator and get paid less than work with someone who's an absolute shithead that can't communicate, who just flies yeah. off the handle and is an absolute wanker and get paid more. It's just mm. not worth it. Agreed. So your your values drive the whole organization. Everything you do from marketing to sales to, to hiring to staff management. But it's probably the thing that most business owners spend the least amount of time on. And then they wonder... Why, if you look at business, 56% of businesses in Australia fail within four years. Mm. 84% of businesses have less than four staff and 92% of businesses from, from memory don't uh, don't crack over $2 million a year in annual revenue, which mm. essentially means that the majority of businesses are self-employed or they have less than four staff. Now, if you're serious about being a business owner, then you better be serious and you better build the fundamental foundations of growth, which is... You've got to build the right culture first as a stepping stone because it's the foundation. Everything else grows off of that. Mm, um, I, I hope, I know I'm giving you big, long answers, but there's no simple answer to just like one one thing. No, I love the long answers. It's bloody perfect for podcasts and it makes good conversation, good content, and also good value for the listeners here. And I'm also being aware of time. I want to ask one question going off the back of that. What makes a good leader? If I had to give one thing, it would be self-awareness. Mm. I don't think you can be a good leader unless you're self-aware. And in order to build self-awareness, you have to have your own success map. So we call it the, the mojo map for success, which you know it, it took me a long, long time to build that map. But essentially, they're based on three fundamental pillars. Number one is you've got to know what fulfills you in life. Mm. Number two is you've got to know your direction. Most people waste their whole lives trying to figure out what fulfills them. And if it's not that, they, they're they trying to figure out what the direction is that they should go. Yeah. If you don't have those two fundamental pillars, you are just wasting time. And time is the most yeah. valuable asset that a human has. Okay. Because every day we're a day closer to death. And Warren Buffett said, I can always make more money, but I can never get back my time. Yeah. Time, number one most valuable asset and knowledge is number two because no one can take your knowledge. If you took away my business today, if I went bankrupt today, I guarantee within less than 12 months, I'd have another multi-million dollar company mm. because you can't take that knowledge. I've, I've got it. I've been through yeah. the experiences. It's it's lodged in there. Now, if you have a look at most people, they waste their time and, and they give their knowledge away for free. And then they wonder why they're not getting where they want to get to in life. Like yeah. they're, the, they're the two most valuable assets that a person has, I believe. Mm. So in order to be a great leader, you've got to know what fulfills you and you've got to know the direction you want to go. Then the third thing is you have to build the performance psychology tools, not based on positive thinking and jumping around and fucking high-fiving strangers and hugging each other and shit, or not going away and putting on your incense and burning and sitting in a beach in Bali fucking wishing that the world was peaceful. 
Mm. You've got to get out there and, and you have to figure out how to do the best that you can do and keep yourself in balance. Yeah. You know, last night, actually, just based on this, was really interesting. So I picked up a mate from the golf, the, the live golf tournament that was here. Um, I went Saturday and, and he was there. But I was just out cruising. I went for a drive. And I've got a McLaren. So I was out driving and, and I knew he was at the golf. And I said, look, I'll come pick you up and, and we'll go out for a drink. So I picked him up. We went out. Anyway, I parked my car. There's a strip at Henley Beach. And I parked right out front of the Ramsgate Hotel. Anyway, we're sitting there having a drink. It's about 7 o'clock at night. And I watched this car pull up in front of me, in front of the car. The car reverses back, reverses back a little bit more, and it's about a foot away from the front of my car. Mm. And then I watched it, and it reversed back again. Oh. And my mate yells out, hey, stop. And then they reverse back more and reversed up onto the front of my McLaren. Oh, shit. Yeah, it's about $150,000 worth of damage, at least, maybe two hundred mm. grand. And anyway, I got up, I walked over, I took a photo, exchanged details, all that sort of stuff, and I came back. And, and he was repped. He was like, how did you not fly off the handle and want to punch the guy? I'm like, well, what can you do? Mm. Like, what, what? So, so I punched the guy. Now I'm up for assault. What can I do? Like my insurance is going to take care of it. Yeah. Like what can I do? And and he said, mate, I can't believe like your mindset, how you stayed calm during that whole environment. I said, look, I'm frustrated and it's pissed me off. But like what can what really can I do? Mm. And I said, a person who can't control their emotions is a person that's easily manipulated. Yeah. So my point is, is that if you're not developing performance psychology tools to stay calm under pressure, to be able to navigate challenging situations, to be able to deal with stress at a level that most people can't comprehend. Like, do I get stressed? Fuck yeah. But mm. is the level of tolerance of stress completely different? Like if you ask an overweight person to run around the block, do they get puffed out? Yeah. But does a professional athlete also get puffed out? Fuck yeah. The difference is mm. the professional athlete runs it in one fiftieth of the time as the overweight person who's unfit. They're both puffed out. So does, does a real great leader and a person who's got self-control get stressed? Yeah. Everybody mm. gets stressed. Does Do both of them get angry? Yeah. The difference is the person who can't control themselves flips out and, and smashes things. And I used to be like this. I've got porcelain mm. veneer front teeth because I got in a pub fight when I was younger, had my nose broken, my teeth smashed in. Mm. I got a, a scar on the side of my head where I got stabbed with a glass bottle from being in a pub fight. I never mm. used to control my emotions. I couldn't control myself. I learned hard lessons. Yeah. So in order to be a good leader, not only do you have to have, you understand what fulfills you so that you wake up every day and you do what you actually love to do. Mm. next thing is what is the direction that i'm going in so i have a clear mission in life like i'm not goal driven i'm mission driven mm. goals you will grind and then you will burn out or you will grind and you celebrate and the celebration normally fucks up the hard work that you put in so i don't even really give a shit about goals what i care about is every day working towards a long-term mission i like that and then i just mm. i just thrive every day like if someone rang me up and said do you want to go out for drinks tonight i'd be like yeah all right cool we'll go out not, I'm not going to drink alcohol, but I'll go out and I'll have dinner or whatever. Like I'm very adaptable in life. I'm not like, oh, I can't do this and I can't do that. Like every day is pretty much the same for me. I hang out with people. I connect with people. I teach and I learn. I train and I exercise. So I just do every day, but I might train tomorrow at four o'clock in the afternoon and today I train at 12. Like I'm, I'm not really rigid. I'm just very adaptable around that. Mm. So you've got to have your what you've got to understand what fulfills you which is based on your values your purpose and then also your lifestyle balance and you should never understand you should never try to understand your lifestyle balance unless you're clear with your values mm. because your values dictate what lifestyle balance means to you 
then you've got to get clear on your mission, your vision, and then only then should you set goals. Because if you're setting goals without a mission and a vision, you don't even know what you're working towards. You're just working towards a moment of excitement where you're like, yay, I achieved something. Mm. But you might be completely off track. Yeah. So that's number two. And then pillar number three is performance psychology. You have to have tools to stay balanced under pressure, to be able to handle higher levels of pressure than the average person. So there's something called distress and there's something called eustress. Eustress is growth stress. Distress is when shit gets chaotic and you can't control it. That's called distress. Now, the clearer we are in our values, the more stress we can take on, which then gives us maximum growth before it turns to distress. And that's how you that's how you become a great leader. That's how you achieve, achieve great things. And, and everyone's a leader. Yeah. Just some people are shit leaders. Like you said you were into drugs and stuff like that. Mm. You were around a lot of leaders, right? Because they, they're convincing you, hey, man, you should just do this and you should... So they're leading, yeah. they're just leading you into, they're leading you off the cliff. Yeah. So most people lead. Like I meet people all the time that are like, you know, I give my kids advice and I'm like, okay, are you crushing it in life? Mm. Oh, no, but I want the best for them. Kids watch what you do. They don't listen to what you say. You tell them don't take drugs, but you take drugs all the time. They're going to fucking probably take drugs. Yeah. You tell them don't drink, but you're drinking all the time. They're probably going to drink. Like Literally. They're, they're watching what you do and they're replicating Mm. They listen to how you communicate. You know, my dad was in this uh, recent conflict in business. So he's a, a small business owner and he's in this conflict with another another person, right? And I said to him, I'm like, how did you learn how to communicate? And he's like, well, off my parents. And I said, do you think they're good communicators? And he goes, well, no. And I said, well, how do you think he learned how to communicate? Mm. Well, off his parents. And I said, do you think he's a good communicator? And he goes, no, he's fucking shit. And I said, so you essentially got a shit communicator communicating with a shit communicator, and now you wonder why there's conflict. Mm. But you just replicated what your parents taught you, and then you think that that's communication. Yeah. He's never done a course on communication, yet he spends most of his day communicating with people. And then Mm. he wonders why he has fucking problems with people. (laughs) Like, You know what I mean? Like Humans replicate, and a lot of the time we replicate people that we look up to, but without even realizing that maybe the people we're looking up to or learning off of or or replicating their skill sets like our parents or our teachers at school or the kids around us who picked on us and we're trying to adapt our behavior for those people and fit in we Mm. might actually be walking ourselves off a cliff and being absolutely miserable because we're being led by people that we shouldn't be led by yeah i i hope that helps like man that's like a mic drop (laughs) i just i could talk all day about this stuff but you know yeah you just tell me to shut up or just change the subject yeah, no, that's epic. It like it's like you access to too familiar with Stephen Kotler's work. No, never come across it. So Stephen Kotler, he's a research journalist around neuroscience, and he's done okay. a couple of books around neuroscience and especially flow state. But I can see that within you now, just tap into that flow state and flying. It's good to see. I love it. It all has to do with values. Like I've done a lot yeah. of study. I haven't come across his work. I don't think I may have, um, yeah. but on flow state. But flow state is essentially living your values. Yeah. When you live your values, you're in flow. When you're out of them, you won't be in flow. So mm. it's that simple. You can try and do all the meditation and shit you want. But if yeah. you get a business owner who tries to meditate and their business is doing shit, it's extremely tough. Yeah. Exactly. So like, this is all the stuff that I teach because I tr- I've tried out most things. And I, yeah. can, I can tell you right now, the right tool at the right time works. Mm. But the right tool at the wrong time doesn't work. And like a lot of people do meditation, but it just makes them more crazy when they're already wound up. So yeah. you've got to have different tools you use at different times.
And in saying that, how can people find the work that you do and connect with you to potentially work with you or get more information from the work you do? Um, like everything, if someone wants to find something, it's not that hard. Like I've, yeah. <laughs> I have people go to my Instagram page and they're like, where can I find your podcast? I'm like in the fucking link at the top of the page, dude. Like how hard is it to like, you know, like <laughs> if you can't, if you couldn't have figured that out, like, yeah, man, let's, you're starting at like ground level. Like you're, you're yeah. in reception at school, my friend. Um, but yeah, look, if people want to find me, just go to Google and type in Michael Mojo and, and our web pages will come up. Um, I don't know what else will come up as well, but yeah. Um, Facebook, social media, like I'm pretty active. I've got uh, a business group. So for business owners, I've got a business group called uh, No BS Business Hacks. Um, and I drop content in there consistently. Like I just launched uh, a new uh, downloadable book, um, mm. which is all on like hiring staff and setting up the right culture and stuff like that. Um, so that's the No BS Business Hacks Facebook group. Um, on Instagram, Facebook, if you just type in Michael Mojo double zero, it comes up with my accounts. Mm. Uh, they're verified. So yeah, you'll know the difference between mine and all the scammers that are trying to sell you crypto and yeah. foreign exchange trading shit. That's, that's <laughs> the um, but yeah, so um, you can do that. The website is themojomaster.com.au, although we are launching a new website with a new domain, but you'll be able to find that. Uh, my podcast is The Underestimated Entrepreneur on any social platform. Um, yeah, but if anyone's got any questions, like they're more than happy to reach out. Like I try and get back to as many people as I can. Um, so yeah. Epic. I'll double down that and I'll, um, put everything in the show notes as well. So if you're listening, go into the show notes of this podcast, you'll find everything as well on the work that Michael does. But I just want to say thank you for coming on, brother. The value that you brought today is just fucking golden nuggets and I absolutely love it. Thanks, mate. I really appreciate it. Like I appreciate the good questions and, uh, allowing me to just, flow when i'm in my in my flow as well so uh really appreciate it yeah no worries at all man and uh thank you for listening for everyone we'll catch us next time